Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Sports Talker. Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we will be joined by Nick Cousin, who's back. Uh, my great friend uh, and a fellow alumnus from the University of Kansas and now a new sports anchor and reporter for WHBF in Davenport, Iowa. We'll uh, go around the Big 12, also talk some Big 10, some NFL when uh, Nicky Cuz joins us coming up later on in the show. Plus, we'll have Coach Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group with the latest headlines in the NFL and college football as well as our weekly picks against the spread. We'll have our Tom Fullery story of the week as well as our uh, around the NFL segments and Big 12 breakdown with uh, more on OU and Texas trying to leave early and the latest with Chris Beard. We'll go over all of that on today's show. Glad to have you with us. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Thomas Bridges is here with me as always. And we begin today's show on a somber note, reacting to the unfortunate news of the passing of Mike Leach who died at the age of 61 on Monday evening. And, Tom, I I was heartbroken by this news. Um, It all happened so fast. Literally, on this show last week, Tom, you and I were talking about Mike Leach and his style of coaching and how much of an offensive mastermind he is. We were saying, man, you know, he wouldn't fit necessarily as a head coach in the NFL – but could you imagine him as an OC in the NFL, how exciting that would be, uh, how that would work? And and just within days, he passes away, heart complications, dealt with ammonia the night that uh, Mississippi State beat Ole Miss to win the Egg Bowl, the final game he coached, and you know dies just a couple weeks later. And just so sad. I mean, I, I I feel for his family and his players and everybody involved in this. This is just not the news that we wanted. Um, it's unfortunate. And the sport loses somebody, I think, Tom, that, you know, I would describe as the most unique man this sport has arguably ever seen. The most interesting man in college football, not only from a – uh, schematic standpoint, the way he changed the game offensively, but his character and who he was, he did things his way and was so funny in himself. He just happened to be a football coach. And then taking on the establishment too. I mean, Texas Tech wrongfully fired him. They never paid him the money he owed. He took him to court. He went as far as he possibly could. He took on ESPN. He took on Craig James. He got screwed over, and he fought like hell. And for me, you know, this is somebody I think that that people should look up to. I mean, not only just as a offensive coach and you know coaching guru, but as an individual, a fighter. I mean, he was a man's man. He's everything that you wanted to be. I mean, you want you wanted your friends, you wanted people around you to be like Mike Leach. That's who Mike Leach was. No, listen, Mike Leach is a god, dude. He's, he's, and, and, and I'm not even saying that in his, in his death. Like, we've talked about Mike Leach before. But, hell, we talked about, me and you talked about Mike Leach, like you said, being an OC, like, like not, what, what, three weeks ago? Last week, I said. Yeah, last week. I mean, and, and so he's, he's so great. You know, he, he, 
his his after his interviews after the games. Uh, what what's the good looking um lady's name that interviewed him? And you know she had she had previously I think last year interviewed him about uh, Halloween candy, and he says I don't fuck with candy corn. And I was like, okay, yeah, he's my coach. Like, cause I I know I Jones, do you like candy corn? Yeah, I like candy corn. Oh man, no, okay, okay, never mind. Um, I was gonna say I I hate candy corn. It's it's my one of my like it's not it can't be even considered a candy. It's like Peeps. Do you like Peeps? Peeps are okay. They're not my favorite, but they're fine. Ah, uh, no, I won't eat a Peep. Peeps are trash. If I'm gonna eat sugar, if I'm gonna eat a bunch of empty calories, you see, they're gonna be pizza, alcohol, or uh, actual good candy. Um, so I love Mike Leach in that regard, but he he interviewed what's her maybe her last name is Lang. She's good looking. Alyssa Lang, yeah. Alyssa, yeah, Alyssa. And so a year ago, she asked him about Halloween candy after he came out of a win, and he went on like a he went on like a five minute deal of about Halloween candy, and I'm like, dude, you just came off a big win, and like she asked you one small question, and he just goes on it. He he went on a rant about candy corn, like I went on a rant about Billy Donovan and not liking him. And then here recently, um, Alyssa Lang is getting married, and she had mentioned that, and and then Mike Leach, Mike, my, sorry, Mike Leach went on his on his. And it's not the first time he's talked about marriage. Um, there's about three or four clips um, that you can find where he, he brings up marriage and what it means to him. And, you know, he was he was always down to give a life lesson, you know, even at, you know, his, his early 60s, always down to give a life lesson. And, and he was never shy about his opinions out of football. And that, to me, is what made him God tier. Um, you want to talk about a football coach that that gets on there and and says, "Well, he he never he never shied away from anything." And Mike Leach is is God tier. He's like you know in in thirty years when we talk about, uh, he's like Jones. Considering we're this close to Christmas. He's like college football's ghost of Christmas past mixed with dad jokes. That's Mike Leach. And and from from whatever I've heard, like after people giving their tributes, um, I, I thought Cliff Kingsbury's was very touching. Um, he talked about that he wouldn't be where he's at today without Mike Leach. Um, I mean, you can you can I mean, you can really say that about anything. I, I haven't did also, seen I, the college football world unite around one individual like we did Mike Leach the last couple of days. The tributes from Bob Stoops to Lincoln Riley to Josh Heupel to Nick Saban, Brian Kelly, Cliff Kingsbury, I mean, Mark Mangino, anybody and everybody had something nice to say about Mike Leach. Lane Kiffin, who was his rival, you know, those – Lost the years, uh, you know, said that Leach was his hero. And I mean, you could you could tell. I mean, there's there's some Mike Leach tendencies in in Lane Kiffin. You know, Lane Kiffin yeah. might be this generation's Mike Leach, quite frankly. Um, 
you know, I mean, he was such a unique individual. And, I mean, everything from the fascinations with pirates to Geronimo to everything in between, Mike Leach was a character. And I hope he ends up in the College Football Hall of Fame someday. I hope his legacy is remembered not only just for what he did on the football field, but the individual he was, the person he was, and, you know, not taking himself too seriously. I mean, how many stories did we hear about Mike Leach taking phone calls from strangers that had the wrong number and talking to them for an hour? Or That's what I'm saying. I heard like Bob Stoops and Mark Mangino say several times that a short conversation with Leach would be an hour, Uh, you know, that he was just himself all the time, no matter where he was. And uh, there'll be no one like him. No one will be like him ever again. He is one of a kind and he's certainly going to be missed. And, and uh, we send our best absolutely to those, uh, you know, close to him and, and uh, from this point going forward, and and you know, it, it, I'll, I'll be honest, you know, it's it's really been a tough week in the sports world in general. Between that and then Grant Wall's passing, it just came out of nowhere on Friday night. Uh, I know Grant Wall's a Kansas City native. Uh, I knew of Grant, did not know him personally, but I think we were in the same room maybe a couple times. But uh, and you're covering you know sporting Kansas City or the Gold Cup stuff like that. But I never got a chance to meet Grant personally, but everything I heard about Grant Wall was uh, inspiring and seemed like a terrific individual. And I know he went out to Qatar and, you know, he spoke truth to power out there and, you know, wasn't afraid to put himself out there. And, you know, we're we're not going to speculate on his death. You know, there's plenty of places for that, but uh, you know, I mean, just two great individuals that we lost just way too soon. Grant Wall was in his forties, Mike Leach was 61. I mean, uh, just very unfortunate. I mean, two guys that uh, seem to be just loved universally. I mean, I, I didn't hear a negative thing about either one of these guys in their passing the last couple of days, Tom. No, neither have I. And and you want to talk about Greek god of college football. When, when we talk about the Norse gods of, of Greek mythology, uh, you know, we, we talk about Poseidon, you know, we talk about, uh aphrodite we talk you know you can go on about greek mythology when you if you wanted to say okay here's greek mythology and and and, you know it's weird that i would even bring up greek mythology jones how many years we've been doing this uh over 10 yeah 10 11 years now yeah how many times do you think we ever mentioned greek mythology on the show Uh, never exactly you know who would mention great greek mythology uh, Mike Leach, probably. Mike Leach would right immediately out of the bat, and so I think it's I think it's fire to to say that Mike Leach is a Greek god of college football, right? Mike Leach is a Greek god. Like a lot of people might say, well, okay, Mike Leach in terms of personality is on Mount Rushmore. No, 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 no. Mike Leach is a Greek god of college football. Was he the best, winningest coach? Was he just some? Nick Saban, was he some uh, god of championships? Absolutely not. But when it comes down to personality, when it comes down to to what actually college football is, when we think about it, when it comes down to interviews, when it comes down to everything, 
Mike Leach is, and I don't, and I don't know what Greek god he might have been. I haven't studied it that hard, um, which is a super Mike Leach comment. He's a Greek god. He's a Greek god of college football, and you know, I I, I know more about Mike Leach than I do about Grant Wall, but uh, tragic in both ways, and, and and in different ways, and in different ways. I mean, Mike Leach, man, damn. Let, look, look at our parents. Our parents are not spring chickens anymore um they're not mike leach old but mike leach wasn't technically old in terms of what we think of old um now so it's 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 freaking tragic and it's it's a huge loss both are huge losses it is we'd certainly send our best uh on uh those fronts there with both those individuals but uh as they say the show must go on and uh today we begin as we always do with our look around the National Football League with some of the top games going on uh, throughout this league and and some of the top storylines. And we begin with tonight's game, uh, the 49ers and the Seahawks. And uh, I'm excited about our watch party we're going to have on Chat Sports uh, tonight for this game between these two teams. And it is uh, it's going to be something else. The Niners riding in with all this momentum. They're playing red hot, as good as any team in the NFL right now. The Seahawks lost three out of their last four. They're at home. It's a short week. They do get Kenneth Walker back. The Niners win. They win the division title. Simple as that. Seahawks have to win this game to keep pace in the division and in the wild card race as well. Um, And then there's, to me, Tom, uh, I know that I cover Seattle and I'm around this Seahawks team, but it's the Brock Purdy story. That is the most fascinating of all of this, isn't it? I mean, for Brock Purdy to go from Mr. Irrelevant to beating Tom Brady last week and outplaying him by a lot. No, he didn't be on this stage with a chance to secure a division title for the 49ers here. This is this is quite the story for Brock Purdy. We saw what he did at Iowa State. We knew he had the talent, we knew the potential. We were big fans of Brock Purdy here on this show. And I'll be honest. I can't say I'm surprised by what he's been able to do at this point, Tom. No, you've been a you've been a fanboy since day one, um, and he he didn't just beat Tom Brady. He dad dick Tom Brady. Uh, that was incredible, actually. Um, and as much as I hate the 49ers, I you know, like I said, I hate to say it, but what a hell of a game! And um, you know, um, at, at this point, it is you know they say some legends die and some are born in the same day. Um, (laughs) oh golly, uh, I would hate to say as much as I've talked bad about Brock Purdy that a legend like Tom Brady would die and then the next one is born in the same day in the same game as Brock Purdy, but you know what? The 49ers just keep looking out, uh, you know, you, you get Trey Lance, he shits the bed and then Jimmy G takes him to glory and then, yeah, okay, well. It's not John Wolford or Bryce Perkins that leads 49ers to victory over Tom Brady. It's Mr. Irrelevant. Uh, and it's as much as I hate Brock Purdy, uh, it's incredible to watch. Oh, we know you love D- Brock Purdy deep down the side. It's okay. I, 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 if, if, if I bought you a Brocktober shirt, you'd 100% wear it. Oh, 100%. Even if I mean, it is a Niners shirt. Yeah, I would. You might sleep in it. I might, to be honest. I love Brock Purdy. Uh, 
I'm excited for him. I mean, this is a great story. And it's a hell of a story. It's one of the best stories. It's one of the best stories in the NFL this season so far. And 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 then you the look on the opposite side for the Seattle team. They're not playing great. They need to win, but we've seen at times this year, Tom, when they've been doubted, when they've had their backs against the wall, they have responded well. I mean, the losses for Seattle have been in games that they were supposed to win. When they've had to play good football teams, they've stepped up to the plate. Something tells me that this Seattle team isn't going to go down without a fight. I mean, San Francisco might be – might have them overmatched, but I think Pete Carroll and company, they're going to come in fired up. It's going to be a hell of an atmosphere. Um, And this has been one of the best rivalries in the NFL over the years. To me, there's no reason why this game shouldn't come down to the very end. And Seattle getting Kenneth Walker back, that's going to be huge. Watch out. This is going to be a showdown. This is going to be a shootout. I mean, Pete Carroll hasn't been in this league that long to just lay down. I mean, Seattle has a good chance to, to pull off Really, the inedible. I mean, you know, you you look at the 49ers, were they that far out of it? When we look at the Seattle Seahawks this season, if you would have said they were going to win the division, I would have bet you $100 that they would not have. And they're very close. I mean, they, they are outperforming. Pete Carroll should be like the third best coach of the year. Yeah. I mean, there's other coaches that have great stories. Right, Sirianni's got to be your coach of the year, but uh, right, the only reason that Pete Carroll's not because he's done it before. Sure. Yeah, Pete Carroll's done a great job. Geno's played well. I mean, it's uh, it's been awesome to see. We're in for a treat for this one coming up tonight. Uh, a look at some uh, other games around the NFL: Ravens and Browns. Uh, likely no Lamar Jackson, but it seems like Tyler Huntley's on track to play. Deshaun Watson, his third start for the Browns. Deshaun has not played well in uh, recent weeks here. This is a game that we're going to pick coming up later in the show. Tom, I look at this game, very interesting, of the Ravens found a way to win last week, even having to go to a third stringer and Anthony Brown with the injuries at the quarterback spot. And then, you know, the the Browns on their end um, – Eventually, Deshaun Watson is going to turn it. Have to turn it on. If he does not get going here, people are going to start pointing the finger to him and say, "You know, did 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 they get? Did they trade for Russell Wilson or something here?" I mean, uh, he's got to get going quickly, and and uh, this week might be the week for him to be put up or shut up time for Deshaun here. I mean, maybe he hadn't played in a while, and you know, think about Deshaun Jones. Um, most of the people in America, I would say, are probably rooting against Deshaun. Are they wrong? Of course probably. not. You know, what it, it's it's um it's 2020's Michael Vick, right? When Michael Vick came back to the league, people shit down Michael Vick left and right, um, and for obvious reasons. Michael Vick was convicted and went to prison and did his time and came back and wasn't terrible. Deshaun never went to prison, never really paid the price that Mike Vick did, but was never superly convicted. So, but he's going to get the same treatment. He's going to get the same treatment. Never was as good as Mike Vick. 
but is going to get the same treatment. Um, and so if he fails, it's not like when Russell Wilson fail, fails because he's like, well, Jesus is Lord, and we'll maybe, maybe we'll win the next one if Jesus wants us to. You know, but Deshaun Watson's like, well, if we lose, I'll just go get another hand job. I don't know. Uh, 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 let's move on from there. The uh, <laughs> Dolphins taking on the Bills. Dolphins are two games back in the division. Bills are in the driver's seat. Um, they've been playing better football as of late. Game is up north. There's going to be snow there. Dolphins, I mean, th- this team, not only did they lose last week against the Chargers, they had heated benches in a carport stadium in L.A. when it was 50 degrees. They they got a rude awakening for them coming up in, in Buffalo uh, Saturday. This this is a bad recipe for Tua and this this Dolphins team. I mean, uh, and this is right up Josh Allen in the in the in the Bills alley here. I mean, this is really bad timing for the Dolphins to be going into this game and when they're trying to stay alive in the divisions fight, not looking good for them. Yeah, probably not the best team to face. Um, you know, the Dolphins, they're a good team, but. Jones, it, it's just – is there a line? Do you know the line on this game off the top? Uh, the uh, line off this game uh, is the Bills favored by seven. Uh, that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, wouldn't be surprised if the Dolphins win, but, man, that's a challenge. You're, you're absolutely right. That's a – it's one of those games you don't want to play. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, Going to be intriguing for sure. Moving ahead to uh, Sunday's action now. Let's uh, dive there. Lions and Jets. Tom, the Jets are now in the playoff race. Jared Goff is playing really good football. They're 6-7. and seven. They're on the outside looking in. Got a big time winning against Minnesota last week where they dominated. The Jets have played better since Mike White took over, although they did lose last week against the Bills. But they are seeing progress there on that front. Mike White did get hurt. Joe Flacco ended up coming in, whatnot. But uh, pivotal game for both these teams here. I don't think either one of these teams necessarily have a shot to be going to the Super Bowl, but a very under-the-radar game with playoff implications here. Listen, coming from what the Jets have, have, have went through, um, if you would have told me at the beginning of the season, say, hey, Zach Wilson's going to be benched, uh, and then, you know, the GOAT, uh, Joe Flacco would come in, and then they'd say, well, it's not going to be Joe Flacco. It's actually going to be Mike White, who's played very well. Um, but – you know, it's that's a weird, that's a super weird situation um, for the New York Jets. But like you said, it's 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 kind of the season of of kind of weird. You wouldn't have expected Seattle to have a chance to win the NFC West. You wouldn't have thought that a Mike White led Jets team would have a chance to be this good. So, um, you know, at that point, it's like, well. You, you hedge your bets where you can, and you can, you know, it, it, it's 
kind of proven that she can never really bet on sports reliably. Yes, uh, very much so. Uh, that would you bet on the Jets to be this good? No, I wouldn't bet on the Lions either. And this game's a pick 'em. I, I, I even with it being a pick 'em, I don't know if I'd put money on it either way. I don't, I don't feel confident. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't blame you. It's still the Jets. I don't care who they play. If it's, it's a pick still the Lions. I mean, that's well, that's what I'm saying. Well, and you know what's crazy? How much money did Vegas win last week when the when the Lions were what a two and a half point favorite? Yeah. And then they shit down the Vikings' throat. Like, you know, I, I, to be honest, as a Rams fan, I'm I'm rooting for Jared Goff heavy, real heavy. Yeah. I, you know, I hope they make it to the playoffs. They won't make it to the Super Bowl. But maybe I'm in the maybe I'm in the same crowd that said that the Bengals will would never have made it to the Super Bowl. So well, I'll say this about golf real quick before we move on. When he showed up there, I think everybody assumed he was just a placeholder quarterback till they found a young quarterback and you know for the long term. But the next one. he and Dan Campbell have been a really good combination, and he's playing such good football right now. And you know he's still young and everything here. If he finishes out the year like he's playing now, I would be shocked if they draft a quarterback in this upcoming draft. Uh, he's earned the right to be their their starter and their future for now. I mean, hey, if they make the if they make the playoffs, they'd be stupid to draft a quarterback. Like golf is still good. He's he's he still can be good. He needs the right system, and and you can go back on the show, whoever's listening, to see how much I praised Dan Campbell. I might not have praised Jared Goff. You could go back to like I don't know 2019 show and listen how much shit I talked on Jared Goff. But I've always praised Dan Campbell. I think it was always a matter of time before that system got right with the right people, and I think it is getting right. Uh, I, I, you know, and with the Packers kind of on the downslope of things in terms of Aaron Rodgers not playing as hot and the Vikings still having Kirk Cousins, um, I, I with Dan Campbell, I, I, I I'm not gonna say the sky's the limit, Jones. I don't think you would either, sure. but, but very admirable. No doubt, no, no question about it. No question about it. Um, the Patriots take on the Raiders. Patriots are seven six. Raiders are at five and eight. That game is another pick 'em too. The line is uh, even there. Uh, Tom, I don't know how much you saw the Monday night game, but just the frustrations that Mac Jones had with Matt Patricia as his offensive play caller. Which, believe me, I understand. You know, I mean, the the fact that. You know, I respect the how out of Bill Belichick, and he's the greatest to ever do it. But why he brought in Joe Judge and Matt Patricia to run his offense is beyond me. One of the dumbest decisions I've ever seen in this league and the dumbest decision I've ever seen from Bill Belichick. I understand Mac Jones's frustration. You know, it was so funny when he got drafted and Josh McDaniels was the OC, everybody was like, okay. Mac Jones is walking into a really good situation, and he did. That rookie year was solid for Mac Jones. He was by far the best rookie quarterback last year. And this year, Matt Patricia is not helping him out at all. Play calling has been atrocious. Um, screen pass after screen pass. Mac Jones, we've seen 
when he's allowed to flourish and when you coach him up the right way, Mac Jones could be a very good quarterback in this league. But that offensive staff right there is holding him back right now. It The fact they're seven and six right now uh, and Mac Jones is still able to, to play through to some extent here, I mean, I give more credit to Mac Jones more than anything else. He deserves better than what he's being dealt right now there in New England. Yeah, he definitely does. And and you know what's super funny um, when I when I think about this Patriots team and I think about Bill Belichick hiring Matt Patricia, thinking that's actually a good idea in terms of being an offensive coordinator. It's like Jones. If I can compare it to anything, it's like selling yourself to the devil, right? It's like, well, you you sold your soul to the devil for all the success, success and then now. Well, you might not get that same success, and now you're you're, I don't know, you're reaping the you're reaping the the harvest, yeah, of what you know, and and that's a I don't know. Some people might say, well, that's a cop out. He didn't, you know, he didn't sell sold the devil or whatever. But ah, uh, you know, how else do you explain it? Um, you're talking about a legendary coach making great decisions for most of his whole career and then he hires an uh an oc that has only been a dc that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense yeah i i did not understand it and you know mac jones deserves better that team deserve better i mean they got some talent on that team better than people think i mean he hires some of these guys i mean if they had a real offensive staff new england would be Probably a nine right now, at least. I mean, if Josh McDaniels, even Josh McDaniels, who's doing a horrible job as the Raiders head coach, if he was still around New England right now, they'd be so much better off. Josh McDaniels is one of those guys, he's a great OC, but has no business being a head coach. Maybe, Maybe that can be a reunion marriage of some sort, a third stint for for Josh back in New England or something, because what's going on right now is just not working. But anyhow, moving on. Titans and uh, Chargers, that's going to be a game we pick later on in the show. Both teams with seven and six records. But it feels like, Tom, these two teams are going in total opposite directions. The Chargers are seven and six because they have been dealt with some of the worst injury luck of any team in the league this year. They're getting healthy. They're starting to win. Had a big win against Miami last week. Justin Herbert looks like the ribs are fine, that he's all there, good to go, and they could be getting hot at the right time. Miami started hot, or not Miami. Uh, Tennessee, you know, started out kind of questionable right at the beginning of the year, then got hot at the middle part of the year. Now they've come back down to earth, got blown out at home by the Jags last week. No excuse for that happening here. Um, I mean – for me, this is a uh, this is a gut check game. Like we're gonna find out if the the Chargers are legit and if the Titans are fading. If the, I, I'll, I'll go, I'll, I'd be willing to say, Tom, if the Titans lose this game, you can write them off. Like that is that's they'll probably still win their division because how bad that division is. But that's the team I think everyone would want to face in the postseason, uh, even with Derrick Henry and everything. If they continue on this track. That's the team I want to face. Yeah, I wouldn't blame you. Um, and, and that's not taking away from Mike Vrabel either. It's just like, 
you know, at the end of the day, it's like, well, who do you want to really face? And it's like, well, you know, um, I mean, no one can you catch do- the football. They got the worst receiving core in the league. Which, yeah, hey, listen, I'm not taking away from Robert Jones or, or not, not Robert Jones, Robert sorry, but, um, but he's you know coming off injury, not near as good as he once was, and he he does better as a wide receiver two or three, and maybe not a veteran wide receiver, you know, like. Traylon Burks, I think, is still going to have a great career. And as soon as Tannehill is not the main QB, I think you'll have a better one. So, I, you know, I don't know. I, I'll never count out a Vrabel team. We say this. For anybody that's a Titans fan, I want you to bookmark this show so when the Chiefs play them in the, in, in the, in the second round, and the Titans win in Arrowhead, then you can call up Jones and, and uh, give him hell. <laughs> Probably won't happen, but I still give it a 10% chance. Okay, we'll save it later for old takes exposed. Um, Bengals and Bucks, And I know it's a cross-conference game, Tom, but this game means a lot. A lot on the line for both these teams. Bengals are tied for first place. Tiebreaker goes to the Ravens in their division. And then you have the Bucs, who are just one game up now on the Panthers and the Falcons in their division. And it is uh, it's very interesting, that race. And you're coming off that loss to the, uh, the 49ers here. Um, somebody's going to leave home and – be behind the eight ball here. I mean, it's it's not technically a must-win game, but both these teams need this game badly. And, you know, I think the Bengals, if they're if they're a wild card team, they should be okay. I mean, they went to the Super Bowl last year as a wild card team. But the Bucks here, another loss, they're not on the verge of just being out. They don't have the wild card as a safety net here. I mean, you're they're either gonna have to they're gonna have to win their division to be in the thing. Yeah, I can't wait to see Tom Brady retire. So you know who I'm rooting for. Um, he should have retired and given me my my one shining sports moment to say that I got to see Tom Brady's last game and he didn't. So um, you know, you know how I feel about this. So let the let the new age retire the old age like it should be, and uh, give me Joe Burrow. Okay. Um, so. With that, one more game to uh, look at on the NFL before we uh, move on and talk Big 12 football here. Giants and Commanders, Sunday night football. Uh, both teams with a 7-5-1 and one record. Their previous meeting, they tied. This time, this game is in Washington. Uh, commanders are four-and-a-half-point favorites. We'll pick this game coming up later. And you got two teams, Tom, kind of like what we talked about earlier with the Chargers and the Titans, headed in opposite directions. Commander's been playing a lot better football as of late. Giants kind of got exposed here. And, I mean, both of them kind of have the same issue here. You have average to below average quarterbacks. Um, You know, Heineke's playing above his head, but there are limitations to him. While Daniel Jones is just never going to be that elite quarterback here. There's only so far both these teams can go. I mean, yeah, it, it, this is a very uh, – I, I, 
you know, uh, this is a big game for both teams and, and, and maybe even more so for the Giants because you have the Eagles doing so well and the Cowboys. But we, we've seen three teams from one division make the playoffs before. And if you make the playoffs, then it's all downhill from there. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's funny for the Giants being this good and Baker, you know, moving teams. He's Baker Mayfield has been passed around like a bottle of crown, but he also had those words to say about Daniel Jones. So uh, even though Baker plays for my team now, I am rooting for the Giants. I'm rooting for real. I'm really rooting for Daniel Jones. Um, that's your second cousin. And, you know, he deserves to uh, make the playoffs and, and have a chance. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So, uh, with that, we'll get to our uh, Big 12 breakdown here in uh, just a moment uh, with a look around the Big 12 Conference, latest uh, football and basketball storylines that we'll get to, uh, including uh, those on Chris Beard in Oklahoma and Texas trying to exit early. Also, a look at the transfer portal as well. Nick Cousins set to join us coming up in just a bit. Also got Coach Bo on deck, Tom Fullery as well. Still more to come. Stay with us as we continue here on the Jones Report. It is time for the Big 12 Breakdown. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges here with you with a comprehensive look around the Big 12 Conference as we do each and every week. And, Tom, uh, we begin today, as we always do, with our hot takes uh, fresh off the hot take stove. And uh, I'll let you go ahead and uh, get things going here. What what direction are we uh, we feeling? How, how spicy we feeling today on, uh, on 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 hot takes? You know, this game is not going to be this week. So does does, does the game have to be this week? Does no does no no? The... Okay, okay. So if that's the case, then I'm gonna just say that the K State is going to come out and beat Alabama. Um, by at least a field goal, I got I got Chris Kleiman solidifying his. I got Chris Kleiman solidifying four more years in Manhattan with a win over Alabama. Mm. Biggest win in K State history. Okay, uh, that's a that's a good one. Uh, I'm going to look even further down the line than that, Tom. Um, I'm going to look ahead to the NFL draft and we're waiting. It, it should be within the next couple of days when B. John Robinson officially declares for the draft. And there's some UT people that are still trying to say that he's coming back, which is just funny. That's not happening. If he comes he's back, he's come back. Um, I, I think Tom, that we're going to have a, be looking in the month of April even though he's a running back, I get all that. I think we're going to be talking about Bijan Robinson as a top ten draft pick. I'm going to go on the record with that right now. Bijan Robinson, top ten pick. Is he as good or better than AD? I don't think so. Uh, I, he's the greatest running back of my lifetime. I wasn't old enough to see Barry Sanders, um, so I'm not going to put anyone on AD's pedestal. Um, he was drafted seventh overall. Christian McCaffrey was a top 10 pick, but in my lifetime, there haven't been a whole lot of top 10 running backs. Uh, Saquon Barkley was a top five pick. It, it's very rare, and it's happening less and less, especially running backs picked in the first round at all. But um, 
the way people are talking about uh, Bijan right now, the hype that that's getting, and with what he was able to do at Texas, even with the circumstances at UT, uh, not the best coaching and the injuries they've had and whatever. I mean, he's still shine. He's been spectacular. I think uh, I think league scouts are going to notice, and I, I think Bijan finds his way to being a top ten pick top. No, you know, I, I do think you're right, and I think the biggest thing for uh, Bijan is is his pass catching ability. We really haven't seen a pass catching back in this dominant uh, of a back since probably Christian McCaffrey. And, you know, it's it's even more so uh, greater that, I, I you know, Chris McCaffrey sure did it at Stanford. And the Pac-12 was decent then. And they're still okay now. But what Bijan Robinson did, even in the Big 12, uh, was still super impressive. Um, you know, he, he, is, he is the... You, you you could say I, I and I'm confident saying this that he will be um, almost as good as Christian McCaffrey. Um, his pass catching ability, it for me, changes the whole game. That that to me, his pass catching ability out of the backfield, um, Mill Kuyper status, he's he's that good. Um, he can make a man miss. He can run through you. He can, he can really do it all. And and so I I that's that's probably a, a it's a hot take but it's a very safe one. Okay. If you if if you get Bijan at 13, 14, 15, you've got the steal. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, there's you know we always set rules all the time about ah oh, you can't take you know certain positions at this round or whatnot. I mean, but there are exceptions. I mean, like. You know, we don't see very many centers, for example, draft in the first round. But do you think the Ravens regret drafting Tyler Linderbaum in the first round like they did? Hell no. They would have done it all yeah. over again. And it turned out to be a great pick. I mean, Creed Humphrey, looking back, should have been a first-round pick for the Chiefs, you know, at the center position. Yeah. So uh, you make exceptions to the rule. And I think Bijan would be an exception, nonetheless, as a top-ten pick. But – with that, uh, let's go ahead and dive into the uh, news of the day. Let's start with uh, Texas and Oklahoma. New reports out there from Brett McMurphy that uh, they are negotiating an early exit. Remember, we had told you a couple weeks ago that Fox Sports had actually gotten in the way and said, do not let Oklahoma and Texas out of their contract early, that they have – a contract uh, to abide by, to honor, and that we've bought that inventory already, can't let them out. And so then that was kind of that, like, well, I guess they're stuck here. But I guess momentum is gaining towards the Big 12 being ready to move on, and that Oklahoma and Texas do not want to be in the same league as Cincinnati, BYU, Houston, and UCF. They were against the idea of expansion, in the Big 12, but obviously it didn't matter to them once they were leaving. And so with that, um, Tom, I, I look at it, the Big 12 needs to move on and create its own brand and identity without Oklahoma and Texas. That's true. But at the same time, the, the money that comes with the exit fees and everything out there, and considering that Oklahoma and Texas almost let – 
this league die the way it did, uh, you know, leaving for the SEC and having their future uncertain here. Um, I, I I look at it this way, Tom. I, I hold, uh, you know, th- there's there's no reason why they should not be held accountable for their actions here. If they chose to leave for the money, they can pay the money too. I understand. I think two things can be true. I think you can, as a league, want to move on and get your own brand started, but still hold OU and Texas accountable too. If they want to leave, fine. Pay up. Pay the money. Don't just let them out and let and and let things go. Make them make them pay the price if they're going to leave. If they want to leave early, then they can do so for the right amount of money. Well, no, I don't blame you, and and, and I'd like to see how much is. Uh, you know, I'd like to see how much it's Texas leaving and OU following, or if it's vice versa, or if it's equal, or if it's neutral. Um, you know, this Texas team, um, even with Arch Manning coming in, and you know, I, I haven't heard anything about Quinn Ewers. I've heard him leaving, but also haven't heard him picking anywhere else. Uh, you, you you come to a time where it's like, well, if you want to take these players, um, SEC takes these players, then, yeah, you're absolutely right. There needs to be somewhat of a consequence paid, and, and Big 12 can't be the one to just bail OU and Texas out when they're leaving. Right, right. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on the same page there. Can't just let them go for nothing. Uh, and see where things go from there. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, if, of uh, holding them to the price that they're they're rightfully owed, you know, owed to pay uh, at this point, and then kind of move things on from there and see what you can do to expand this league and and figure it out. But yes, uh, I understand Fox's frustrations and all that. You know, too. You know, I mean, they paid to have OU and Texas in the league, so we'll see how it all works out. Going to be a messy situation, but. As we've said all along, Tom, we've all said we'd be surprised if OU and Texas played through the end of this ordeal. And I I got to tell you, I want nothing more than to see, hopefully, the Big 12 does what they can to make this schedule as miserable as possible for Oklahoma and Texas. And I think in an ideal world, if you're a Big 12 fan, if you're one of the fans of the you know, the hateful eight or the little 12, whatever you want to call them. I think a perfect situation. Uh, Texas loses at Houston, uh, who they blocked from entering the conference years ago. And Oklahoma loses to Oklahoma State in Bedlam the very last week of the regular season. Uh, their final visit to Stillwater and the last Bedlam game ever played. I think that's probably your ideal scenario is those two things. And that very well could happen. Yeah, Jones is a uh, pro Big 12 guy, and I know you are too, um, especially how good your um, your Jayhawks did this year, I think. And there, there's there's a term for it. We call it the hateful eight. Um, you know, like I said, there's a term for it. We want to be better, obviously, than our opponents, um, but we also can still recognize the history. Um, so... If, if we can make our own tradition, um, then that would be great too. But uh, we'll we'll do what we can right now. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, 
going to be an interesting uh, next several months uh, with some strange bedfellows there with the, the new blood coming in. Uh, another Big 12 note here, uh, Chris Beard arrested a domestic dispute uh, involving his fiance. And for those that don't know the extent, the, the details of this, um, it is not pretty. Um, I mean, it is a it, it is a disturbing ordeal that happened uh, here uh, involving uh you know, Chris Beard and, you know, some of these specifics uh, with this case. News broke, of course, uh, you know, in the morning time, uh, you know, this uh, call that happened around 2 a.m. Beard was booked around 4 a.m. And the affidavit says uh, she became frustrated with Beard not responding and broke his glasses, then returned to the master bedroom and after that, uh, she reached to pick him up and Beard threw her from the bed, choked her for around five seconds, cutting off her breathing and bit her. And uh, she came away with scratches on her back, her right eye, a bite mark on her right arm, a bruise on her left leg, a cut on her left hand. Um, just some disturbing stuff here uh, in regards to Chris Beard. and. I hope he's held accountable. Texas waited a long time on Monday to officially suspend him about an hour before tip off before they announced that he was suspended and he suspended indefinitely without pay uh, for the time being. And you know, his lawyer has come out and said that it's all, you know, all false and that there was no reason to uh, arrest him and yada, yada, yada. But I mean, for all this to happen and what we've heard in all this, I can't imagine Chris Beard is going to be the head coach of the University of Texas much longer. I, I think that uh, from what we know and just what that's out there, um, this isn't looking good for, for Chris Beard. I mean, you know, obviously you, you, you let due process play out and all this, but as the days go on uh, and less charges are dropped, so unless something crazy happens here, I don't see any way Chris Beard's going to be – the, the the head coach at University of Texas next season. Well, then the next thing you look at with this Texas program and their situation, um, you turn to an interim head coach, they barely get by Rice. And, you know, obviously we're thinking of, you know, uh, the young female involved here and you know, wish that she's okay and, you know, our prayers are there for her and hope everything's fine. But, you know, when it comes to this Texas program here, Chris Beard was just getting this thing on the right track. There was a lot of momentum building for Texas basketball. This looked like the best team they were going to have in years. And if you don't have your coach there, um, I mean, it's hard to have any expectations, any excitement for what's ahead for this team and their future here. I don't know where you go from here. And, you know, with your interim head coach and all this, you kind of just salvage what you can and try to move things on from there. But it is a bad situation in, in Austin. And you know, here it was. It seemed like that they had found the guy. And there was no prior indication to give any idea that Chris Beard was this way. Um, he had no criminal background, no criminal history. And so it's not, you can't blame Texas uh for this, it's not their fault. Um, 
it's unfortunate. And, you know, it sucks for a program that was just starting to get things going, and now they take a big hit in this. So we'll see what happens. But a very sad ordeal there at the University of Texas. Coming up next, Nick Cousins set to join us. Uh, so we'll talk more Big 12 with uh, Nicky Cuz and see what the uh, Kansas Jayhawk alum has to say as uh, we'll talk about those Jayhawks and their bowl game and and uh, Kansas basketball off to a good start this year, the defending national champions. More with Nick Cousin when he joins us next. <laughs> Joining us now on the show this week, always a pleasure to bring back our good friend, the one and only Nick Cousin is here. And uh, now he has a new home in the state of Iowa, Davenport, Iowa, to be exact. And he uh, joins us right now, WHBF sports anchor and reporter, Nick Cousin. Nick, welcome back. Good to have you here with us, man. How are we doing? It's always good to be on, man. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, it's going to be going to be a good, co- fun conversation as always. Yeah, uh, these direction conversations always go an interesting direction. Uh, I don't know what to expect when I bring you on. Yeah, we don't know how this, how this is going to end, so we'll we'll see. Maybe uh, maybe this show will end up like uh, our our Instagram DM con- DM conversation. <laughs> that we we can't have kids listen to this if that's the if that's the case. Can't have kids be watching and listen to this. Yeah, yeah, we we might get canceled if uh, if we <laughs> reveal those conversations. Uh, Nick, uh, first and foremost, tell me about the move uh, to Davenport. How did how did you end up there and uh, escape in Fargo? Well, uh, you know, it was it was pretty enticing because it's pretty close to home for me, only about two and a half hours to to Chicago from here. And everyone, you know, Chicago sports fans, Bears, Bulls, Blackhawks, White Sox, Cubs, even some St. Louis fans. It's mixed into Cardinals. Um, and it's very much as far as college goes, Hawkeyes. People love Hawkeyes, Iowa State, even Illinois, too, because a lot of um, people on the Illinois side of our market also uh, are Illini fans because – Pretty much how it works is if you're not from the Midwest, people don't really know what the Quad Cities is. Uh, so it's pretty much the the four towns that surround the Mississippi River. There's there's two on or three on the Illinois side, and now there's two, and then there's two on the on the Iowa side. I know that's five, but there's Bentendorf is kind of like the newer area, so there's been five since they originally deemed the area the Quad Cities or the QC. So it was just pretty enticing for me to uh, be able to to come here and move on from where I was at, you know, higher market, better pay, closer to home, just just a better situation all around. That's awesome. De- certainly uh, happy for you. I know you've been working hard and it's a long time coming, but uh, nonetheless, uh, pretty exciting to see that uh, all come about. So let me ask you first and foremost, though, the, the main reason why I brought you on today to talk about uh, our infamous uh, Kansas Jayhawks finally going to a bowl game. And, you know, I, I I almost have a bone to pick with you about this, Nick, because we've said for years that when they went to a bowl game, we would find a way to go, and you're leaving me out to dry. Me and our buddy Jose are going, and and you're not you're not making it happen. You're leaving us. Uh, you, you you didn't hold up your end, Nick. I know, but hey, one one thing over everything that's family, as you know, we're both we're both family guys, and I only have a couple days off after my long Christmas ship. So I'm going to go see my niece and, and play uncle for a couple days. So, you know, I, I always I, be there. The, the KU bowl game won't always be there, Nick. Uh, that's true. But Hey, next year when we're in the playoff, I'll go. Rose no. bowl. I'll you believe it, it when I, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. You know? I mean, 
I, I don't know. I don't know if you're going to be there or not, you know, but nonetheless, uh, Nick, uh, what a, what a, an accomplishment, what a milestone for uh, Kansas to finally get back and uh, go to this, uh, this bowl game, the Liberty bowl. I know it's going to be cold. It's going to be, you know, Memphis, Tennessee, but uh, they could have played this game in uh, Siberia for all I'm concerned here. That's a big deal. Oh yeah. Big deal. I mean, we don't even know what this feeling is like, to be honest. I mean, 2009 was the last time and how old were we in 2009 like I wasn't even in high school yet so I don't even know like what it what that even feels like so to be able to say we're in the a bowl game even I mean that's like our national championship I mean come on like I think what was like the start of the year you know when it was like basketball had it going and football had it going when we were both undefeated like we were the only team in the we were the only school in the country that had like a good unbeaten streak going. So to even like have some excitement around the program in general is just great. Don't really like the way the season ended, kind of led up against our rival Kansas State and got blown out against Texas. But hey, you know, Jalen Daniels was coming back from injury at quarterback. So, you know, you can't can't really, you know, blame him for that. Maybe if you had a, a healthy Jalen Daniels, you wouldn't be six and six, maybe be getting a better bowl game. Yeah. Um I do find it comical that, uh, you know, Kansas beats Mizzou in basketball a couple of days ago and football's of Mizzou football's afraid to play us in a bowl game here. To me, this is still just comical and on brand for them, for those suckers. I mean, it was, it would be the same result. Like KU already beat them up in basketball. I mean, what was that? Like the largest margin of victory in the border showdown or second largest victory? In a road game. Yeah. In a road game. Same thing would happen in football. I mean, if you're going to play KU scared with that high-powered offense, I mean, for for most of the year, number one offense in the Big 12. I mean, come on, let's let's be real here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those uh, those bitches in uh, in Columbia. I mean, they they, they were scared. And, and to me, I, I thought it was more embarrassing for them, Nick, that they did not want to face KU rather than taking a blowout straight hand, straight up. I mean, we're still playing an SEC team in the, in, in the Liberty Bowl with Arkansas. Means more. Yeah, so it does. It does mean more. So, you know, we'll get it done. We'll get it done. KU will, KU will uh, be victorious over uh, – it means more, the SEC. Yes. And then, like, I mean, things are just good in that athletic department right now. I mean, credit to Travis Goff and company, what he's done. And you look at the uh, – you know, the basketball program, Bill Self, he took accountability, took that four-game suspension, and they've come back and they're a top-ten team. And, uh, I mean, things are looking up. I, I, I'm very optimistic not only about, about football but basketball, too. I mean, we, we yeah. could be talking about this being another Final Four team again. KU has the best one through four in the country. The only question mark right now is that five position. K.J. Adams really showed up in that Mizzou game. But there's still a lot of question marks. But if you want to talk one through four, I mean, Dewan Harris, underrated point guard. Nobody talks about him because he doesn't score. But just how he sets up the offense with his amazing passing. And he also has Grady Dick making threes. Ball like on Kansas, like a play for Kansas. I'm Grady Dick. Like, that's how that's how it goes. Wichita's own Grady Dick getting it done with the three-pointers. Can go inside, get it done. So, ah. I mean, there's a lot to be excited about with KU right now. The only time, the only loss comes to Tennessee, and that's when you lose DeJuan Harris. So that's kind of another, uh, you know, weakness you have to sure up there too is kind of figuring it out when DeJuan Harris isn't out there. 
What's your favorite Grady Dick nickname? Oh, I mean, we we you already tweeted it out when I put it on Twitter. <laughs> so you can go look on Twitter for that. Or I'll, I'll just tell you, it's Big Dick Energy. Yeah. Yes, there we go. There we go. Yeah. Oh man, I, I <laughs> in a perfect world. When he gets to the NBA, he needs to wear the number 69. Oh, I mean, if you're allowed to. <laughs> Dennis Rodman wanted to wear 69, and David Stern told him no. Of course. Dennis Rodman is Dennis Rodman. <laughs> so good. Also, we can't forget about Jalen Wilson, too. I mean, yeah. he, his game has grown so much. I mean, the last – We'll go into the combine this year, the NBA combine. They told him to get better at his shooting. And now he's what almost he's like one or two in the country in scoring right now. And he's putting up at least 20 a game, like every game. So, yeah, he's playing well for sure. I like so what yeah. I think. So, we can't, we can't forget about him too. I mean, we love Grady Dick, but we can't forget about Jalen Wilson. <laughs> we love Grady Dick. Love Grady Dick. Yes. 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 Nick loves Dick. Yes. Uh, <laughs> So with that and uh, kind of everything that's that's going on in in the Big Twelve here, Nick, uh, with you know I'm hearing this this conversation that Oklahoma and Texas are likely to leave a year early uh, after Let them go. Let them go. next year. I, I'm kind of conflicted because Nick, I'm excited about this new era in the Big Twelve of you know bringing in BYU and in Houston and UCF and and, uh, you know, Cincinnati, like, to me, I, I'm excited for the future of this league and potentially Gonzaga or maybe some Pac-12 schools. All that sounds good, too. But the way those two schools left the Big 12 out to dry, they were willing to let the conference get destroyed. I want them to have to be, you know, to milk every dollar they owe to this league here. Like, I, if, if they have to stay to play out their contract to pay all the money, so be it. Like, Make make them pay every penny. Don't let them go by for for cheap. Uh, hey, I'm with you 100. Make them pay for leaving because once they leave, they're not going to be successful. Let's be honest. I mean, SEC, you got Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, who are going to be better than them every year in football and basketball. Let's let's be honest. Like, I mean, I don't get I don't get that move. But I think the Big 12 did make some good moves. Adding a Houston, especially for basketball, I mean, they were number one in the country the last two weeks before they lost to Alabama this last week, SEC. Uh, and then, uh, you know, then you get a, a BYU, which is good for football, a Cincinnati, which is good for football. So I like what the Big 12 did. The Big 12 is going to flourish. The SEC yeah. might be adding more teams, but the Big 12, I think, is going to flourish and have some really good competition. Uh, what do you think about the idea of adding Gonzaga? That'd be fun for Kansas, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, for basketball especially, like, let's get it going. I mean, you can't have football because they don't have football, but for, for basketball it would be a great addition, I feel like, and especially with the success that Gonzaga's had as of late going to Final Fours, championship games, that, that those kinds of things. Yeah, I'll, I'll sign me up uh, to bring yeah. Gonzaga in. I mean, the Kansas-Gonzaga game we must see every year. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's like NCAA tournament Final Four written all over it, but you're getting that in the regular season. Right. Yeah, I, I would be in favor of it. Uh, that sounds good to me. Uh, put, it in, put it in Kansas City. Put it in Seattle. You know, get some fans. Get some. Get sell some tickets for that. Yeah, of course, of course, for sure. Uh, Nick, uh, you're now. We mentioned in in Iowa, and you're in Big Ten country. 
Uh, what, what, what's your early impressions uh, covering that league so far? Oh, uh, I mean, it's it's pretty uh, interesting, especially this year in this in this college football season, because Iowa starts out so bad. Like I'm talking, like they had the second worst offense in all of college football. Yeah, like, I mean, was, they were like you, Nick. They couldn't score. Yes, as of late. Yeah. <laughs> as, of, as of late. As of late. Um, but then once they started figuring it out, they got a couple wins. You know, that you know you you beat you beat Purdue, you beat Northwestern. Then you kind of then you you only have to win one game to get into the Big Ten championship game, and then poop the bed again. I like that's what I like to say. Poop the bed. Uh, you can because, say the other word. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, I'll, I'll keep a PG for the kids. Uh, <laughs> Poop the bed uh, in that last game against Nebraska, who had three wins going into that game, maybe four, and then then you then you ruin your chances there. So, uh, just an up and down year for Iowa. And then as far as uh, Illinois goes, I mean, best start they had in you know fifteen years for them, and they also had a chance to get the Big Ten championship game too. And they also had some losses down the stretch as well. So. Just kind of an interesting year, and then then Purdue sneaks into that game against Michigan at the end. Uh, so just you know, it becomes very uh, you know kind of disappointing down the stretch. You know, you you gave some life to the fans, and then at the end, it was just kind of like uh, this is how the season started. It's how it's going to end. And now for the bowl game for Iowa against Kentucky uh, in your your favorite city, uh, Nashville. Oh, I uh, love Nashville. Oh. Yeah. Um, no Spencer. Forget the bowl trip. We need a trip to Nashville. Yeah, I'm down for that. Uh, you let's get, get no- let's get Marky to go with us. Yeah, yeah, he'll like it. He loves country music. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, so that for the bowl game, you get no Spencer Petrus because he got injured, so no starting quarterback for Iowa, and then the backup Alex Padilla, he's in the transfer portal. So you got the third string quarterback. I can't even tell you his name. That's how much I know about the third string quarterback at for Iowa. And then on the Kentucky side, Will uh, Will Levis, yeah. he, de- he declared for the draft. Their running back declared for the draft. So it's you know, what are we having here? Like a spring practice for the Music City Bowl? I mean, this is going to be like, uh, you know, I mean, it could be entertaining because you get to see kind of the future of both programs, but it could also be like a snooze fest. Right. There's all the backups and, you know, whatever. So, I mean, I'm not, I don't think anybody's really that excited for the bowl game. Except for going to Nashville and probably getting par- partying, having a little, you know, leaving those Broadway girls alone, you know. <laughs> oh man, this this type of bull trip's right at your alley. I, I feel like you should be there, Nick. Yeah, I know. That I sounds know. better than the, uh, the the Liberty Bowl in Memphis, man. Or, yeah, or the Reliquest Bowl that Illinois is in. The Reliquest Bowl, um, and uh, that one. Man, we, we we were talking earlier in the show. So sad about Mike Leach passing away. What an interesting circumstance that game's going to be in uh, in the shadows of his passing. Yeah, I mean you you don't you don't expect something to happen like that. But I guess it was pretty. He was pretty bad medically all season, and uh, decided to coach. Um, which you know, I mean, kudos to him trying to battle through it. But I mean, pneumonia is kind of you know, it kind of gets to you, especially if you're you know outside a lot and that kind of thing and Mike Leach is a legend we all know um and you don't you never think that that's kind of going to happen as quickly as it happened there uh so yeah right. just really sad and not really a storyline that you want to 
be talking about going into a game like that. But sadly, uh, it, that's kind of the talk of the game right now. Yeah, yeah, just very unfortunate how that is. And and uh, in Illinois' case, I mean, you come in on the opposite side of this. I mean, uh, just all of it. You have a, a Mississippi State team that's going through a hard time, and you're trying to enjoy yourselves and have a bowl trip here. I mean, just the emotions. You can't if you're human. You can't help but feel for the, the those players on the other side here. Oh yeah, for sure. And then also, if you think about the year that Brett Bielema's having, I mean, he lost his he lost his mother and his father-in-law in like the same week before their yeah. last game against Northwestern. So just a lot of emotions, and I'm sure like I don't know. If, I mean. I'm sure he's happy that his team's in a bowl game and that kind of thing. And I'm sure Mississippi State's happy to be there as well. But a lot of heavy hearts going to be going to be playing in that game. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, the Iowa program you mentioned a second ago, uh, Cade McNamara coming in. Uh, what's the, kind of the excitement about him uh, joining that uh, that Iowa football team next year? Well, I mean, like I told you, dead last, like second to last in in. Uh, the country in uh, offense this year for most of the year. So you get a quarterback that led Michigan to the college football playoff just two years ago. Uh, that's going to be – that's already a big impact. I mean, just the star power of the name. And also he just brought his uh, tight end buddy with him today. The, his, uh, the Michigan tight end tra- is transferring to Iowa next year as well. So he's even bringing his dudes with him. So there's a lot for Hawkeyes fans to be proud of uh, – excited about for next season or number two as far as uh transfer portal gets right now so just a lot of uh Iowa doing a lot of work there uh getting transfers to come in is uh is Brian Frant or uh Brian Ferentz staying around as OC I know he got a lot of heat as long as his dad is the coach I don't think he's going anywhere oh well I feel bad for Iowa fans that's it it was bad this year I mean people were calling for his head people were asking him to resign like he was getting questions in the press conference like are you gonna like are you gonna resign are you gonna stay around blah 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 all the stuff like just nailing him just ripping him and he you know he he fixed it there for a little bit but then kind of brought it and then it was brought back down to earth in, the, in that last game against Nebraska but yeah I don't think he's going anywhere as long as uh, Kirk's the coach. Oh, yeah, that's that's unfortunate. Uh, what other bowl games uh, have your attention? What what are you eyeing your uh, attention on for uh, this uh, bowl season? Obviously, the playoffs a big deal, but what uh, what games uh, captivate your 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 mind here? Oh, I mean, there there's some new ones out there. Like they're playing a bowl game at Fenway. I thought that was interesting. Um, the Yankee, yeah, I mean, Yankee Stadium always has the that one bowl too. But I think it's cool to kind of like see you know, different venues like that kind of host bowl games. And, I mean, the weather is probably not going to be great, but it's still kind of cool to say you played a football game at Fenway. Uh, so, you know, bowl games like that kind of at different venues. Um, like, I mean, but the best bowl game every year for me that I love is, you know, the the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. <laughs> Buddy uh, there at the game in the uh, potato costume. You know, blue, uh, you know, blue turf. Yeah, you win a trophy of potatoes. I mean, it's it's great, and the cheese it Bowl too. I mean, you win a you win a trophy of cheese its I mean, I'm all about the snacks, so you know, give me give me something I can eat. What's not to like? Yeah, but the cheese it Bowl. That's uh, terrific. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Oklahoma they have a tradition on their Tulsa campus where for every bowl game, the bowl theme they 
uh, put on a statue. And this year they kind of ignored it being in the Cheez-It Bowl, but somebody showed up through the night and put a box of Cheez-Its there for Oklahoma for their uh, Cheez-It Bowl birth. So came through. Yes. Um, What about, you know, being a Big 12 guy and everything, but then also covering the Big 10, college football playoff, you got two Big Ten teams, Michigan and Ohio State both make it. TCU's in. What do you think about those three and their chances of taking down the defending champs, Georgia? Seems like Georgia's clearly the number one team, but do you think any of those three have a shot to take down the, the big dog here? Uh, I, I don't think so. Georgia's so good. And Stenson Bennett, 25 years old. I mean, he's only one year younger than me. He's still in college. I mean, you, you want to talk about experienced, uh, you know, QB uh, he was and he was there last year as well, uh, and like it's it's crazy too because like Georgia's so good that like even like the the top analysts in the game like college game day like they barely even talk about Georgia because they're just like oh yeah Georgia's getting the championship game there's no doubt about it like just big time and I think Michigan probably had the best chance but without their running back Blake Corum with him being out I don't think there's a good chance uh, for Michigan to have success there. Uh, and then Ohio State kind of sneaking in. TCU, great story, and I'm glad that they got in because for a second there I thought it might not happen because uh, they were very deserving of, of being in in the playoff. So just, I mean, a lot of great stories, but I think Georgia's just too good. Yeah, I can certainly see that. Uh, that Georgia team is uh, is very talented, you know, a, a, a complete football team. And uh, what I wonder, though, is – you know, who is who's best suited? I, I, I lean towards Michigan, but, you know, they, they play a similar style to Georgia. TCU and Ohio State play different different scheme-wise. What do you think? Do you think if what, – what gives the best shot to beat that Georgia team? Is it a Michigan team who plays to their similarities, or is that to be something different like TCU or Ohio State is? I think, you know, I mean, I, I'm a big, big 12, so we'll go, uh, you know, TCU. I think TCU can, um, you know, play, play, play well against them. Also, it's like kind of like a team that, you know, Georgia wouldn't play. Like if you're talking about like, hey, like Georgia would play Ohio State, Georgia would play Michigan, like, you know, in like a regular season game or whatever. But, I mean, to play TCU, like no one's really looking at that game as intriguing. So I feel like TCU can kind of be that underdog. And kind of last, I think TCU comes in with kind of like a chip on their shoulder as well because they lose the they use they lose the Big Twelve championship game to the worst school in the Big Twelve. We all know it's Kansas State, right? Uh, Ema, boo boo, um, and it's just uh, and I, so I think they're coming with a chip on their shoulder. And the last time they were kind of in this position way back when Andy Dalton was there, uh, and they got and they missed out on the playoff by losing that last game. So I think. I think they're going to come in and like prove that prove their worth and uh, you know you know play well. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, you make a good point. Should be uh, intriguing to see how it uh, ultimately all plays out. So, uh, tell me this: uh, we still have a little bit of time left. Uh, what else uh, do you have your attention on there in uh, in Davenport? What are the other things that uh, you've been kind of covering these days, man? Oh well, I mean, this is like a big high school area. Uh, you know, high school sports is a big thing here. There's there's been some NFLers from the area. There's Rams fans out there. Jake Gervas, uh, he's on the LA Rams, which is kind of a struggling team right now, surprisingly. Um, and then there's uh, you know a couple other uh, guys like Moline's had some great high, uh, high school players that are at Illinois right now. Uh, Matthew Bailey, if you're an Illini fan, he had a big interception this year 
uh, in that win against Iowa. But other than that, uh, big NFL place, big MLB place, like everybody's Bears or Packers fans or Cubs and Cardinals fans or some White Sox fans too, not not a whole lot. Um, but, you know, pro is a big thing here. So especially right now with, uh, with Bears and people are disappointed with the Cubs signings because they didn't really sign anybody. Right, uh, and then Wilson Contreras goes to the the becomes a trader, goes to the Cardinals. Uh, so the Cubs fans are upset about that. But the only real signing for the Cubs is Cody Bellinger, which yeah. is he hasn't really been that great the last couple of years. So is that really going to be a great signing? Probably not. Yeah. Uh, and then the Bears season, like you just want you just want them to. You just want the season to be over with. Yeah, you just want the season to be over with. I mean, at least this year there has been some fun because you can tell Fields is. Fields is the quarterback of the future. Yeah. But you just have to use, you know, you just have to, you know, think like, hey, we have all these draft picks if you're a Bears fan. We have we have all this cap space if you're a Bears fan. Uh, so you just have to, like, look towards the future and be like, hey, you have to put your faith in Ryan Poles, the GM. You have to put you have to put your faith in him. I mean, he brought in Chase Claypool, but Chase Claypool at receiver hasn't really been that been that effective. He's been he's been hurt. He's probably going to be out this week again against the Eagles, who are probably going to the Super Bowl. Let's right. be honest. Uh, and then with the Packers, I mean, this is this is probably the end of Aaron Rodgers. Hate to see it. Hey, hate to see it happen. But really struggling yeah. offense this year, uh, and somehow still kind of in the playoff race somewhat because NFC is so so weak this year. But you know, you have to see what happens there. I mean, you can't. I guess you can't count Aaron Rodgers out. But the offense isn't as strong without Devontae Adams, and you can really see that this year. Oh, definitely you can. And I wonder with their future, we hear the rumblings that Jordan Love wants to be traded if he's not the starter next year. Who do you think uh, starts in Green Bay? Do we see Aaron Rodgers back? Does Jordan Love get a shot? How does that ultimately work out next year, you think? Well, I think it's like a Tom Brady situation where I think Aaron Rodgers doesn't really retire. He plays as long as he feels like he can play. Um, but you can kind of, I mean, you could tell this year, I mean, he's thrown more interceptions than he's ever in his career. Uh, and he's, you know, he's not, and he's been playing hurt. He had that thumb, he had that thumb problem. And then he had to leave the one game against the Eagles on Sunday night where Jordan Love came in and actually looked pretty good. I mean, every time Jordan Love has played, like, what was it, two years ago when Rodgers was out with COVID, he came in against Kansas City and looked awful. Right. Um, but now, I mean, he kind of had a little bit of a bright spot there. So maybe, you know, he, he finds some success elsewhere because I don't think really Rodgers is going anywhere. I mean, you know, he might look like he's playing bad, but Aaron Rodgers is going to decide when Aaron Rodgers retires. The Green Bay is not going to do that for him. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think uh, you're right about that. going to be very interesting to see how ultimately that uh, all plays out on that front. And, and uh, I mean, the NFL playoffs here are going to be uh, just around the corner before we know it here. I mean, what an exciting stretch uh, throughout these uh, these next couple of weeks here, uh, Nick. What, what do you think is going to happen? I mean – the NFL season always goes by so fast. It's just like there and then even with the extra week, you know, it still goes by so fast now. Um, but it's just the AFC is so stacked. Like the AFC is probably the, you know, the, the strongest band. NFC, like pretty much everybody that's like five and eight and four and eight is still in it somehow. Like that's crazy. I mean, the NFL is king for a reason. I mean, you know, you cover it like every day. I mean, right. I mean, it's always going to win no matter whatever happens in any other professional sport. Um, but I think, you know, the Bills are going to figure it out. I mean, Josh Allen's so fun to watch. And I know you being kind of a Chiefs guy, you want Mahomes to 
raise another, uh, you know, trophy there for you, make it, make it a second one. Um, but I think, you know, AFC championship game is probably going to be, you know, Chiefs Bills some way, NFC. The Eagles are just so good. Like, I don't know if they're going to lose another game. I think that game against the commanders is kind of like a fluke game. Like they're just so good. Like with that offense and, uh, you know, I think so. I think at the end of the day, I think we're going to see Eagles bills, the Super Bowl, And, uh, you know, I mean, the Vikings have had a really good season, but I, but nobody really talks about them because they're the Vikings. Let's be honest. Like the Vikings, you know, they always kind of find a way in the end to not really come out on top. Uh, you know, Kirk Cousins still has to kind of put himself in those big games. Uh, so I think, you know, they'll get into the playoffs. They'll win the NFC North because NFC North is such a bad division. Uh, maybe we can even see the Lions in the playoffs somehow. I mean, the Lions are like the hottest team in the NFL right now somehow. Motor City Dan Campbell's got them going. So, right. uh, so it's exciting. I mean, NFL is always exciting, always comes down to the last week with a lot of teams. You can never count even the bad teams out. Like, you look at the Texans this week, they almost beat the Cowboys. So it's just like every week is just something new, and that's why why NFL's king. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Uh, Nick, we, uh, we're just about out of time here. Uh, appreciate you joining us, man. Where can uh, people find you and see all the great work you're doing? Uh, you can follow me on uh, all social media platforms, at NCUZ, N-C-O-U-Z, that's Twitter, Instagram. That's where I put most of my stuff, and you can see me tweeting about bears, being sad about stuff, or you know, cover, covering Hawkeyes, covering Illinois, what's, whatever is new with them, those kinds of things. So, you know, that's where you can find me. And I post a lot, you know, especially on you know Instagram and Twitter. I pretty much live on those apps. So, I love it. Nick, always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. Best of luck, and uh, we'll be talking get down the line. Thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, man. Love it. Every time. Time for Coach Bowles Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, OHGCast.com, O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com. You can also reach out to Bo by phone at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. And Coach Bo joins us right now. Bo, how are we doing? Doing all right, Tyler. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Always a pleasure uh, to catch up with you, my friend. And Absolutely. and uh, what's uh, what's going on at OAG these days? Hey, this is the uh, this is the time of year where we're slow. This is the time of year where we're catching up with everybody, making sure everything's done before the end of the year. So it's the perfect time if you've got some financial questions, some things you want to get answered, or you know whether you know, you want to get started or those sort of things. It's a great time to get some particular attention. It's um, like I said, right now we're spending a lot of time just getting required distributions for my older clients and then for younger clients making sure they've maxed out their iras so uh, if you want to if you need help with either of those two things give us a shout we want to be your partner oagcast.com accountadvisorygroup.com bo uh the slate this week uh college football games back with uh, the start of bowl season so we're back to our uh, normal entree of five college and five nfl games this week and uh, they include the Las Vegas Bowl, Florida taking on number 14, Oregon State, Oregon State favored by 10. The Cure Bowl, number 24, Troy taking on number 25, UTSA, Troy favored by one and a half. The Fenway Bowl, which is very interesting because Scott Satterfield just left Louisville for Cincinnati and Louisville's favored by one and a half. The New Mexico Bowl, SMU and BYU, SMU favored three and a half. The Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl. 
Washington State and Fresno State. Fresno favored by three and a half. Jimmy Kimmel's not that funny, but at least he's got a bowl game. So I guess he's got that going for him. Um, the NFL slate, Dolphins and Bills on Saturday. The Bills favored by seven and a half. Giants and Commanders. Commanders favored by four and a half. 49ers and Seahawks on Thursday night football. Niners favored by three. Titans and Chargers. Chargers favored by three. Ravens and Browns, that game on Saturday, and the Browns favored by three. So, Bo, uh, we will go ahead and get started with the picks this week in college football, beginning with the Las Vegas Bowl, Florida and Oregon State. Bo, the last time Florida faced the Pac-12 team this year was the Pac-12 champs, Utah, and they beat them. They come in as a 10-point underdog. What do you think here? I, I just think Oregon State is a, or, yeah, Oregon State's a good team. Um, Florida's Florida, I know that you look at the you look at the um, I'm trying to say if you look at the records, you're going to go, oh my God, Washington State's so much better, or or Oregon State's so much better. Um, but that is what it is. I mean, just you got to look at Florida; they're in a, they're in a tougher conference. They've played a tough schedule throughout the season. Um, I do think Oregon State's going to win this game, but I think ten points is a lot of points. Also, when I look at bowl games, I really go to coaches who are trying to make some changes like these guys, like we're, we're sitting with Billy Napier at the end of his first year. And it's like, okay, we're seeing some improvement. And this is the couple week period where you may see some drastic improvement. So give me Florida plus the 10 here. I'm going to go with uh, Florida here as well. I know they don't have Anthony Richardson. He's opting out of this bowl game. But I'll be honest, Bo, I, I don't even think Anthony Richardson is as great as advertised. I don't think he's that bit great of a pro prospect as people make him out to be. And I know Kuyper and McShay have him going as a first-round quarterback. But, um, you know, start of a new era, uh, you're there. After Richardson, you know, kind of get a head start next year here. I think Oregon State wins, but 10 seems a lot for me. I'll go Florida there as well. The Cure Bowl, number 24, Troy digging on number 25, UTSA. Troy favored by one and a half. What do we think, Bo? These are two really good teams. If you haven't seen them play, they're both really good. Um, this is going to be a sneaky, competitively hard-fought game. I'm taking UTSA. Um, UTSA has been my covering machine this year. Uh, both these teams have got two losses. They're both really quite good. I'm taking UTSA. I don't have a great, great feel, but I know this will be a hell of a game. Um, I kind of like UTSA to win the game, but I mean, you look at a point, point and a half. I'm just going to go. I think the team I think is a little bit better and can score a little more points. That's UTSA. Okay, uh, I'm going to go with a UTSA here as well. I really like their offense. They've been able to put up points all season long, and I don't see any reason why they. Wouldn't be able to in this game. I'll go with UTSA here to cover. It's an underdog. So we like dogs so far. The Fenway Bowl, the first ever Fenway Bowl. This game's been canceled the last two years. Year uh, back in 2020 due to COVID last year, COVID as well. One, uh, one of the teams backed out, didn't have enough players. So with that, Louisville favored by one and a half. We talked about the Scott Satterfield storyline involved here. He is not coaching this game for either team. Uh, both teams with interim head coaches here in this game. Bo, what do we think? Louisville favored by one and a half. Okay, these are two kind of equally matched teams, which I kind of like. A rivalry uh, game, too. Yeah, and I think it's going to be um, – got to look at it. There's two ways to look at this. It's 
is the rivalry piece and gonna as I think the better team here, I think the better team is Cincinnati. Uh, I'm gonna take Cincinnati, but where I'm going with this is I'm taking them because they're gonna be keeping their interim coach is the one of the assistant coaches from this past season who is actually staying on the staff moving forward. Uh, he was a special teams coordinator and the DB's coach. Uh, Louisville actually brought in Dion Branch, who is one of their assistant coaches, um, you know, an alum who's going to coach this game, but they're really shorthanded on the coaching staff side. So that makes it really difficult for these games with everything you have to do. So I'm taking Cincy. I feel like they're a little better in-house ready for this. I'll, uh, I'll go Cincy here, too. Bo, we're, uh, we, we like the dogs so far. I think we're uh, three for three and underdogs here. I think for all the reasons you just mentioned, um, and Cincinnati, I think, is the more talented team. I was impressed with the work that they did this year, even in a rebuilding year uh, for that program to win the games they did. I like Cincinnati to uh, cover as an underdog. The New Mexico Bowl, SMU and BYU, SMU favored by three and a half. Well, I'll go ahead and jump here on this um, before you beat me to the punchline. I like another underdog again, BYU here. I was impressed with them all year long. Max Hall was terrific throwing the football. That offense was dynamic. They won some big games this year, beating Baylor and some other teams. I know SMU, Tanner Mordecai, former OU quarterback, they can put up points, but uh, I like I like BYU to as an underdog and to pull off the upsets a three and a half dog. Are we keeping the momentum with the dogs here? Nope. I'm taking SMU here. I like SMU. I like Tanner Mordecai. I like that high scoring offense. And I'm gonna and I'm taking SMU here. Okay. So we uh we finally disagree there. You'll like SMU, I'll take BYU. Final college game, the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl, Washington State and Fresno State. Fresno favored by three and a half. Bo, uh, this this game is, uh, I think they're going to try to do what they can to try to make this a, a Jimmy Kimmel circus more than the football game itself here. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of out on that. Uh, I guess uh, I guess I'll go Fresno here, but I, I'm not going to be watching this game probably. Uh, I'm the opposite. I like, well, I like Washington State. Uh, Washington State's been hot in the last few games. They lost the last game of the season to Washington in a game that went all the way back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, where Washington ended up winning the game um, by forcing Washington State into a mistake late. But I really, really like uh, Washington State here. I think the points are a little bit of a gimme, basically giving me a field goal. I'll take it. All right. Uh, with that, let's move on to the National Football League. Saturday action, Dolphins and Bills. This game's in Buffalo. It is expected to snow in Buffalo this weekend with the Bills favored by seven and a half. And the Dolphins got the best of the Bills the first time round. Uh, that game was in Miami, of course. That was the first loss of the year for the Bills. Tua has said he's seen snow before uh, in Alabama. But, uh, Bo, this is a very different circumstance than I think he's probably ever been used to as far as a playing environment. What do you think of the Dolphins trying to go up in the snow against the Bills? The Bills' favorite seven and a half here. I I, I love the Bills here. Um, this is why I like it. I, it's not just you have the Miami team coming to Buffalo and there's going to be snow. The big piece of it is 
the Dolphins' offense is based upon speed. It's based upon, you know, having big big openings in the offense. And when there's snow on the ground, that just kind of it it takes the, it levels the playing field when it comes to speed. Uh, it's going to take the team that runs the ball better to win this game. Team that plays a little better defense will win this game. I think that's Buffalo across the board. Um, I think what you'll see in this game is a big game out of Josh Allen in the run game. Watch them run a little more of his QB option stuff. Uh, watch him running the ball. I bet he gets 10, 12 carries when it's all said and done. And they're going to run the ball, shorten the game, and then make it really hard for that Dolphins offense. I heard the Dolphins offense, actually, the Dolphins had, um, they had heaters on the sidelines in Los Angeles on Sunday. And it was in the low 50s. It's going to be like in the 20s. And there's going to be a half a foot of snow, if not more. Uh, this does not look good for Buffalo. I'll get to the Dolphins all day on this. And I know seven and a half is a lot to lay. But they're going to win this game by 10 or 12. So I like the Bills for all the reasons you just mentioned. But one thing I would add to that, Bo, is that the Dolphins struggle to run the football. And in these circumstances, you have to run the ball well. And the Dolphins, that's their biggest weakness of this team, is their ability to run the ball they lack. I'll go with the Bills to win and cover seven and a half. Giants and the Commanders, the Commies and the G-Men. The Commanders favored by four and a half here. Both, these teams just played like two weeks ago, and it was a tie in that game. Yeah. Went to overtime was a tie. Commanders favored by four and a half. They're even a bigger favorite than they were just a couple weeks ago when these two teams met. What do you think about the Commanders favored four and a half here? I think it's about right. You know, we were talking a few weeks ago about how there was a group of teams, like it was these two teams. Um, uh, Seattle, and now I think Detroit's played into that. Played into this group that are all fighting for the last two playoff spots. And I mentioned I thought the Giants or the Tino going to come out of that group. They were going to come down out of the group. Um, and we're seeing it. They just haven't played as well. I don't really like Daniel Jones what they're doing. I think Ron Rivera is a coach of the year candidate based upon the the fact that they've closed the walls inside the commander's locker room and they have not worried about any of the auxiliary stuff going on around them and they keep winning i like the commanders especially coming off a bye they're getting a little bit healthier they have said that taylor heineke is the quarterback the rest of the season that carson Wentz will be the backup give me the commandos here and uh i like them play the four and a half I like the uh, Giants here. Honestly, I don't know who's going to win the football game. I'll probably lean towards the Commanders, but four and a half is a, a bit too far for me to give. To me, that's too many points. I'll go with the Giants to cover at uh, four and a half, despite them not playing their best as of late. 49ers and Seahawks on Thursday night football. This game in Seattle. We know Lumen Field's a tough environment, especially in a primetime game. And this Niners team is red hot right now. The Seahawks not coming in, playing their best. Must-win game for Seattle to keep pace in the division. If the Niners win it, they win the NFC West outright. And the Niners are three-point favorites here. Big news for the Seahawks. They do get Kenneth Walker back. He will be good to go for this game. Bo, what do you think about the Niners favored by three? 
I like the Niners here. I do. I, I think that you look at the Seahawks, they're in this battle for these last two playoff spots. They've got a rough schedule here. I mean, you have a short week, come back with the 49ers, then they play the Chiefs next week, then the Jets. I don't know. I, I think that the Seahawks are kind of stumbling toward the end the end line here. I I like what I saw from the 49ers with Brock Purdy. Um, and what I liked about it was simply this. Their offense stayed pretty much the same. And that's not a attaboy for Brock Purdy more than it's a, we really didn't trust Garoppolo anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they just they just kept everything was kept so tight and and so narrowly focused on their run game. Run games can help you on the road when you have a tough environment. Seattle is one of the toughest environments to go into, but I like the Niners. I like a minus the three here. This is a really good team. It's just getting better. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with the Seahawks in this game here. Uh, Seahawks are desperate. They need to turn around here bad. I think Ken, getting Kenneth Walker back will be huge for this team. I know the uh, Niners are coming in momentum, but eventually Brock Purdy's got to come back down to earth. Short week and everything here. Give me the Seahawks to win and cover at home uh, with the upset here in this game. Two more games for you. Titans and Chargers. Bo, both these teams coming on in off a loss. And, or I, sorry, correct that. The Titans coming off the loss. Chargers coming in off that win against the Dolphins last week. Chargers uh, surprised folks. They were an underdog in last week's game. Titans had no business getting blown out by the Jags, and they did here. Um, what do we think about this game here, Bo? The Chargers favored by three. Do you like the momentum the Chargers bring in, or can the Titans get back on track with a win here? What, what say you with the Chargers favored by three? I would like the Titans more if this game was in Nashville. Uh, get it a little bit cold, make it a little harder on that Chargers offense. The Chargers are getting healthy. Herbert's playing great. The defense is not healthy all the way for the Chargers, but it is getting better. You know, again, you need the run game. The Titans have that, but I think I don't think it's enough here. I like what the Chargers are doing. The fact they're getting receivers healthy, the big plays might be there. I'm taking the Chargers here. Okay. I'm uh, going to go with the other way of this, really, if it were the other way. I'm going to go with the Chargers in this game, too. I think the Titans uh, are a mess right now. Fired their GM during the middle of the season when they're leading their division. Looked awful last week. I think they got a lot of issues, uh, a lot of internal issues. Chargers, I think, are on the way up here um, and getting back in that playoff race, certainly. I got the Chargers to win and cover three. Last one, Ravens and Browns. The Browns are three-point favorites at home. It's a short week playing on a Saturday. It'll be the third start for Deshaun Watson since he came back. Deshaun hasn't looked great. Um, meanwhile, the Ravens, likely without Lamar Jackson, it does seem like that Tyler Huntley's on track to come back after he got injured in the third quarter last week against the Steelers with a concussion. Um, J.K. Dobbins ran the ball really well last week. In his first game back, Cleveland favored by three. Bo, what do we think about this one? The Browns at home as a favorite. I like the Ravens. I like the Ravens here. I, I think the biggest thing, I know there's no Lamar Jackson, but when you go to Huntley, he's a similar type of player. and He's not as good as Lamar Jackson, but you're not changing the offense. 
you're still able to do a lot of the things. You're just going to be dependent on people around him a little bit more. Um, he doesn't have the big playability that Lamar Jackson has. But also, the Browns are bad. I mean, they're really bad. And Deshaun Watson's looked horrible. You would think at some point he's going to snap out of it and have a big game. I'm just hoping it's not right here, and I'm going to take the Ravens plus the three. And it, it, what I think is going to be a close game. I think the Ravens uh, plus three. I like them to win and and cover this game. You know, as an underdog here, um, for all the same reasons you mentioned. But for me, I think, in all honesty, Bo, I think Kevin Stefanski is a fraud. I don't think he's that great of a head coach. And I think he's been exposed this season and not having Deshaun Watson ready when they had all that time to get him ready. Part of it falls on Deshaun too, but I think it points to the coach and a quarterback coach. In Stefanski, you're no excuse for that. I'll go with the Ravens to win and cover. So there's our picks against the spread this week, and we will uh, move on and get to some headlines. Bo, obviously, we got to start off on a, a somber note. A very uh, sad, unfortunate news that Mike Leach has uh, passed and uh, dies at the age of 61 after heart complications. And, I mean, just unfortunate, just out of left field. I mean, he was just coaching in the Egg Bowl leading Mississippi State to a win against Mississippi. And now just within a couple weeks later, uh, he's left us and passed away. And and a guy that won everywhere he was at, at Texas Tech, at Washington State, at Mississippi State, an incredible character. I mean, there will be no one else ever like him. And then uh, uh, on top of all that, just a, 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 a innovator, as well, somebody that changed the way that we talk about offense in all three levels here. I mean, just the total package. As far as I'm concerned, uh, I don't. I, I would put Bo. I would. I would put Mike Leach in the College Football Hall of Fame. In all honesty, yeah. And I was. It's a shame. I saw this thing on Twitter a couple of days ago. Now that he won't be eligible for the Hall of Fame because he doesn't have a a 60% win percentage as a head coach. It's 59.6. So um, there's people obviously saying, hey, we got to change a rule here and do something. Round up. Innovator. I mean, you look at the air raid offense, everything they did. I mean, there's a guy that was so successful at Texas Tech, you know, goes to Washington State, has success there, then takes his air raid offense to the SEC. And he was having some success there. I mean, he wasn't doing – He's not Alabama, but he's been competitive the couple of years he's been there, and they've put on some put on some shows in some of these games. I'm also just a big fan of his person. I, I like the pirate. I was a big. I was a, a, a. I loved the wide open style of an offense that he ran, and then just loved his personality. Uh, you know that kind of dry sense of humor that he had. Um, if you want to see something funny, go to YouTube and just Google and just search out a couple of his press conferences. Um, some hilarious stuff. It's sad for the coaching, you know, for the, you know, for all the coaches that are fans and for everybody who knows him, especially, if, I mean, his family, of course, but it's just a sad deal all around. And someone that I think is just universally respected and a sad deal all around. I just, Rest in peace, Coach. Well, and, you know, for me, I, I, one thing I look at, too, is besides just what he was as a coach, 
he did everything his own way from the offense that he ran. I mean, no one else was doing air raid at that time, you know, took that how mummy scheme and really just exploded it. His personality willing to say anything, anytime, anywhere. No one else carries themselves like that. Just wacky, goofy, uh, and all, I mean, just a, a unique individual, uh, Mike Leach was, I, I wish there were more Mike Leach types in the world, Bo. I mean, and, and we're just, we're just not going to see that this day and age. And when it comes to both as a, as a individual and as an in- innovator, both, I mean, he was truly one of a kind. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, it, it's well put. He's an innovator, but also Mike Leach is one of those guys that it's the personality personalities of coaches like him. That's what makes college football great. And we're seeing less and less of them. And he's kind of one of the last guys like this that are the kind of, you know, he's a little goofy. He's the, this and that. I, I was a big fan of coach Leach and I, and I'm a little taken aback by the whole thing, honestly. Yeah, I am too. And uh, as far as that program goes at Mississippi state. They announce pretty fast what their future is going to be. There's not going to be a coaching search. They hired their defensive coordinator, uh, Zach Arnett, to be the head coach. And he's somebody that's been around that program. They said that they wanted to, um, you know, somebody be there to provide comfort that that knew the program, that knew those players, and to help them get through this time. But, I mean, the transfer portal you know, has been open, you know, now for, for a week or so. And I think it's twofold, Bo. I do think Mississippi State is being sincere that they want somebody that know these players that can be there as they grieve. But also, too, I mean, this is a program that's got to act fast and in the college football offseason basically well underway. Yeah. Hey, I don't know if you know much about Zach Arnett. I've seen him speak a couple times, and he knows his stuff. He's a good coach, a really good coach. Um he was going to be a head coach at some point, you know, and I know that, yes, Mississippi State wants to, you know, you you got everything on the transfer portal and everything that goes with that. You know, you're trying to get things done as quickly as possible. But this is not just a, a filler. This guy's a, a really good coach who's going to be a head coach, uh, was going to be sooner than later, was going to have a chances at some lower levels here in the, in the last couple of seasons. Let's turn those down. This guy's a defensive wizard. Guy really knows his stuff. He's a recruiter as well. This couldn't have been this could have been a really good hire for Mississippi State too. So yeah. I, I I'm I'm glad for Mississippi State that they did what I think is the right thing in keeping uh keeping someone from that staff as the head coach, keeping that continuity together. Um, speaking of new head coaches, Purdue's got a new head coach, Ryan Walters, comes over from Illinois where he was the defensive coordinator there and was uh, a name that was pretty high profile. Uh, it certainly gained a lot of attention around the country, it was mentioned for several jobs and impressed with the job that he did there with that Illinois program. Bo obviously knows the area, um, but Purdue here, going with uh, somebody within their conference uh, with Ryan Walters, what did you make of that hire? I, you know, I think it's someone who's been on, he was with Brett Bielma and someone that you're trying to get a little bit under that tree, if you will. Brett Bill has been good everywhere he's been. Um, you know, I know he got kind of a shaft at Arkansas, I think, his last year there. But I think it's one of those things where it's like, okay, we've got someone who's familiar with the conference. Purdue's a tough job. 
I mean, what are your expectations? I think the whole point of a big of the Big Ten schools is that you have like these two or three at the top. You've got Michigan, you've got Ohio State, and you it may be Penn State so near near there with them. And if not, then you have Penn State with Wisconsin and a couple of others that are really kind of the next crew. And then from there, it's like, okay, well, what's your expectation? You look at like Michigan State with Mel Tucker, gives him a huge contract extension last season. What are your expectations? And I think that's the question with Purdue. Purdue wasn't going to get a big name coach. They weren't going to get the hot offensive coach, most likely. So going and getting someone that has some familiarity, who has familiarity at the conference, someone that can get them, you know, get them to a bowl game, be, be eligible for the bowl each year. That's really kind of the goals at Purdue. I think it's a decent hire. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, Purdue's not a good job. Uh, no, it's yeah. I mean, what they did this past year, getting to the Big Ten championship, that's about as good as it gets, realistic. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I, but I do think if you're a, if you can be a good coach at Purdue, you can be there a long time. Yeah, Jeff Brom could have stayed as long as he wanted. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, also, speaking of coaching changes, Navy fires Ken. Niamato Omo, uh, I imagine they're still going to hire another triple option coach of some sorts and keep that system in place. But uh, here's a guy that won a lot of games with that program um, over the years and dominated Army for most of the time he was there. In very odd circumstances, Bo, Navy, their athletic department did not allow players to take the COVID year. And the other military academies did. So they were playing at a disadvantage. Uh, Niamatomo tried to get that changed, but the athletic department wouldn't let that happen for whatever reason. And what do you know? They lost to Army three straight years, didn't go to a bowl game this year, and he was fired in the locker room after the game, And which was just so bizarre that, you know, they didn't wait another day or even until they left the facility to make this move. Um you know, Niamatomo even said, like, hey, if, if we don't beat Army next year, I'll willingly resign. You don't have to fire me. And they didn't care. They still fired him anyway. Uh, this all seemed very unlike the Naval Academy here, very off-brand and kind of disrespectful to their all-time winning as coach here, Bo. Yeah, okay. So I heard about this when it happened, right after it happened, and my jaw dropped. That guy's a hell of a coach, first Yes. He's the winningest coach in program history. This is a guy that got offered other higher level division one jobs. He BYU wanted to hire this guy so bad, like three years ago. And they didn't, they couldn't, he turned them down. Other schools, he's turned them down. He wanted to stay at Navy. He likes Navy. He runs the triple option. It's the perfect thing. He is absolutely perfect there. He has dominated army. They lost the army this year in a game that was, Oh, God, that was hard to watch, though. <laughs> but I will say, this guy is a hell of a coach. And I, I joked that Deion Sanders should call this guy immediately, immediately, and put him on his staff. Um, I just can't believe this. This is a horrible fire for Navy. There is zero chance they're getting a coach as good as he is. And a horrible decision. I do not understand this decision whatsoever. And the disrespect of the firing him in the locker room after the rivalry game that went to overtime, 
give me a fucking break. I I was really ag- agitated, as you can probably tell, when I heard this news. Yeah, this is not. This, this is guy's somebody gonna, that's obviously, you know, trained up all these young men that are yeah. going to go serve. You know, it, it's been more than just a football job to him. I mean, it was a calling. To right. Him. It was really a calling. I, all I know is if I was a head coach at a really high level D1 school, this guy's got to be on my staff. I mean, tomorrow, I got to have him. I got to have this guy. Because this guy can lead men. And that's what I need. I have horrible, horrible decision by Night Navy to fire. Yeah. I, I don't know where Navy goes from here uh at that rate. You know, I mean, you have to run that same system essentially, and you're not gonna find anybody better than Ken Neamatomo to to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, Coach Ken's great. Yeah. And I just I just think that he's an incredible coach. And I, I, Navy's football program will suffer from this decision. Yeah. Last thing in the college football front, uh, transfer portal, kind of getting quiet uh, here the last uh, few days. But uh, nonetheless, so far what we've seen at this point, Bo, seems like Texas A&M, uh, Alabama, and Oklahoma State have all lost a lot of players. And then some of your biggest gains have been schools like Oklahoma, Oregon, um, just to name a few here, but there's still a long ways to go in this process. Early signing days coming up here in a few days as well. We're going to get a better look at uh, what these rosters are going to be here within the next few days. I feel like we're still just kind of getting started. Yeah, I mean, it's, and I think through this bowl season, we're going to see some more of this. I look at it and just go, uh, it's, so I heard a stat this week. It, it hadn't counted this season yet, but look at last season. It said 48% of the players that went into the portal actually went down a level. Yes. If they were in the FCS, they actually went to the F or the FBS, they went to the FCS or to a JUCO. Um, it's not going to be a whole, there'll be some, there'll be some big names of the players who will move lateral. That will happen in this process. But then there's some, that they're not going to find out they're in a better situation. They'll be in a worse situation. Again, I'm not against the portal at all. And the reason being is that if you're recruited by, by a coach, that coach has got the right to leave. How come you don't? Right. So, because, I mean, we know the majority of players, they're recruited by a coach, and that's who they want to play with. So I understand that completely. I, I just am a little worrisome about the whole situation with, you know, a lot of players making decisions on, well, I'm not getting the playing time I want, so I'm going to leave now. Right. Um, what's going to happen, I think, is we're going to see big schools go recruit two top quarterbacks, two top running backs, two great corners, and let them fight it out. And whoever plays more as a freshman, the other one's leaving, especially a quarterback and running back. Um but that's I think we're gonna see more and more of that. I mean, like we just saw with Clemson, you know, their quarterback is leaving. You know, we saw last year with um uh Caleb Williams going over to USC. It, it it's not a perfect system. I don't even know if it's a good system, but it's at least equitable to the player as it is to the coach. And also, if you're a recruiter, you're always recruiting. 
You know, a kid says, ah, coach, I'm going to go here instead of here. Stay in touch. You never know what's going to happen. And we now have these transfer portal periods. We're going to do this all over again in May. Yeah. So uh, yeah. after spring ball and everything, we'll have another shakeup of sorts. Yeah. It, I think the interesting thing is there's a couple of quarterbacks in here. I want to see where they end up. So, yeah. you know, I found this interesting uh, before we move on to NFL real quick here. You know, Oklahoma State, we mentioned, lost a lot of players. And they've picked up a couple of guys here and there, but they still have – Mike Gundy has a lot of work to, to do to still retool that roster. And I heard it said that, you know, well, Mike Gundy's not really much of a transfer portal guy. That's not his thing. And when I heard that quote, the first thing I thought, Bo, was something that you say all the time. You better shit or get off the pot. And these yeah. coaches like Mike Gundy and others, if you're not willing to adapt – you're going to fall behind. Well, I mean, either adapt or die, you know, that, that, that's adapt what they say, you know, and if Mike Gundy and these others don't want to mess around with the transfer portal, I mean, then they're going to fall behind real fast. Yeah. Cause what you're going to find is that these, some of these players are going to, are going to have made a decision that that's not comfortable for them or maybe not the right fit for their family or their situation. I think that, I think you're spot on. I think a guy like Mike Gundy and, and the other one we're seeing was uh, last year was Dabo Sweeney, who said he doesn't like the like the portal as well. You know, I think you look at those, you just go, you know what? It, it's very old-fashioned, and it's very um, – I'm going to put this in a nice way. I'm not going to say it in a nice way. It's very, it's very slave master. I'm just going to say it like that. Okay, I'm going to say it in a controversial way. We've had where the coaches have had all the power in college football. Yeah. And if you look, I mean, this is why some coaches don't go to the NFL because players are empowered in the NFL. The portal has empowered players. And if you look, the coaches that aren't adapting to this, they don't like the fact that they're giving up the power. Dabo Sweeney, Mike Gundy, those are just your two prime examples. Even Nick Saban is looking at the portal and going, yeah, we can make this work. You know? It doesn't mean you have to be afraid of it. Right. But use it to your advantage. If there's a kid you like, go get him. You should yeah. always be wanting to improve your team. Now, And sometimes you just swing and miss on somebody, but you've got a chance the next season now or two seasons later in the portal, do it. I'll say this. I do think there are some coaches that are comfortable in their own ways of high school recruiting and yes. developing players and all that. I do think that's part of it for some. Yeah. But what what I would say, Bo, is, you know, may, maybe that is your strength. Maybe you're not a great recruiter, but you're a good developer of talent. That might be your thing, and I get that. Don't, don't get me wrong. But if you want to compete at a high level, I'm sorry, that's not your best – pathway to success yes you still have to have high school players but the days of bringing in 25 high school recruits are over you have in order to win your roster has to be a mix it has to be high school talent that you've developed but it also has to be kids that are ready to go and and play right away too well i think that sometimes you'll have to look at it and say who can i develop who's in the transfer portal yes if you're a guy who can develop i'll give you an example if you're a guy who can develop a quarterback, Grayson McCall 
from uh, from Coastal Carolina went into the portal, someone should definitely take him. I mean, he should be at like a big school this season. Take okay. Here, here's one for you. It's just school out there. The number one team in the country right now. Wouldn't they rather have Grayson McCall than Stetson Bennett right now? I, I think so. I I would. I would take Grayson McCall quarterback if I was Georgia tomorrow. And, and that's the thing is that okay, this the guy who was well under recruited. Now he gets to play. He gets to go to the portal. We've seen the tape. There's plenty of tape on this kid, and he can absolutely play. I mean, even Ohio State. I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. They don't have an immediate solution to C.J. Stroud right now. No. Oh, God. Grayson McCall at Ohio State would be great. I mean, think about it. I mean, that's that's great that you see something like that. So those guys – and again, I'm gonna I'll pick on Mike Gundy and I'll pick on Dabo Sweeney. You know how I feel about both those guys. <laughs> it, it's that, you know, I again I went out there and said it's the slave master thing, but it is the I'm rigid, this is the way it's gonna be because this is how the way it's always been. And that's not what's happening in college football. That's not what's happening in any sports anymore. You adapt or die. If Mike Gundy does not adapt, he will not be the head coach at Oklahoma State in a couple of years. If Dabo Sweeney does not adapt, he will not be the head coach at Clemson. There is zero chance. You know, there was a thing of last year, people were talking about what happens if Nick Saban retires. And the number one guy people talked about was Dabo. There's no way he gets that job now. None. And not because he's lost a couple of games this season, but it's because of his his way of saying, I'm only doing it this way. Nick Saban's the GOAT because he's changed his philosophy. It's evolved over the years. And that's how we should be about everything in our life, not just how we coach a football team. If you're not adapting in your life, then you're you're falling behind. Well, and, you know, even with all the players Saban's lost this year, and it's a significant number, I mean – don't we all know Saban's going to come back with mentions and he's going to respond? You know, I mean, he, he, he doesn't know what he's doing. Saban's got something uh, something cooking up, I'm sure. So, I, I look at it two ways with Nick Saban right now. I, you know, and I, I've talked about this in the past. I think either he's retiring or he's going to come back this next season and retooled and ready to go. I, they lost two games by four points. It's like they're a bad team. Yeah. You know, that's, lost that's, two good teams, too. Yeah. And then two, yeah, they lost to two really good teams on the road. On the road by a total of four points, both on the last play of the game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. to the NFL. Playoff picture is uh pretty interesting right now. We talked about the NFC earlier, how you have basically three or four teams going for two spots right now, those final two playoff positions. And then on the AFC side there, you know, it's, it's a fight right down to the very end. What I do find different Bo, is in the past, since this expanded playoff, whoever was the seven seed kind of was just there along for the ride. Didn't really have much of an impact this year. We've seen more parody in the NFL. Um, I think that that seven, you know, those six and seven spots uh, are more c- 
coveted of sorts maybe than, than years previously. I mean, those are those are decent teams, I feel, still going for those spots that could still pull off upsets maybe against those two or three seeds uh, in those early rounds. Yeah, so let's look. You want to go AFC or NFC first? Start with the AFC. We talked about the NFC earlier. In the AFC, if you look at this, I mean, right now, five, six, seven of the Bengals, Dolphins, and the Patriots. Now, the Bengals, Ravens are going to come down to that last game, most likely, at the end of the season. One will be a division winner. One will be a point. Oh, wow. The Dolphins could beat the the, uh, the Chiefs. The Dolphins they could beat could, the Bills. Could the Patriots? Yeah. The Patriots could be competitive. I think because the they can could muddy up like the, the Ravens. I don't know if I would put say they could beat the Chiefs or Bills. You never know. I mean, that's yeah. the thing is that there's – and now you look at, like, the Chargers and the Jets are the next two. If one of them was to be the seventh seed, that Chargers team's getting healthy. They gave the Chiefs one run already. Yeah. I mean, they were one that that game was one play that decided that game. I mean, it was, you know, and the Jets. I'm gonna tell you a sneaky one this week. Check out the Jets Lions game. That's gonna be a one of the best played games we'll see all season long. There is nobody in that game that doesn't want to play football. <laughs> um, but the Jets is a team again. You know, they don't have a great quarterback situation, but the well coached team. And you never know. You only got to play one. You only got to play one game in a playoff. And then in the NFC side, I think the team to look out for, it's, I mean, it's like coming from way behind, the Detroit Lions. Another six and seven. We were talking about this on my podcast on Tuesday when we recorded, and it was, we were literally saying, look, they've won five of the last six. Their one loss was to Buffalo on Thanksgiving. And then they finished the season after this Jets game. They finished with Carolina, Chicago, Green Bay. That team could easily win all four of those games, be sitting at 10 and 7. And with the way that it's going to work with the Commandos and the Giants having to play each other, and both of them still having the Cowboys again, uh, the Seahawks have a couple of tough games in there with uh, their game this week against the 49ers and the Chiefs next week. There's very little margin of error. So it's going to be interesting. And if you look, I I wouldn't want to play the Lions. I wouldn't want to play the Seahawks. I wouldn't want to play the Commanders in the one-game situation. The Giants are the team I think is going to fall out of there. Um, and yep. that's not a knock on them. I just think that Dayball's done a great job. They just don't have the horses. Right sure. There, especially at the quarterback position. But right. yeah, the, right. these – these are going to get interesting here at the end to see what happens. What happens yeah. these next couple of weeks? You know, we are down to four weeks, and you know, this is as a cowboy I say, this is nut cutting time now. So, uh, it, it's how you play these next four weeks is going to be a big part of whether you're moving forward or not. And there's a couple teams that I think will fall out. I think there's a couple teams that'll play their way in. It'll be interesting. Um, the Cowboys this week signed T.Y. Hilton and the Bills signed Cole Beasley out of retirement. Does that mean the OBJ sweepstakes are over? Uh, is he not going to sign you think now? Did, did he kind of, did he kind of sell something that wasn't there? I mean, uh, as far as his health goes, did he kind of finesse him, try to finesse some teams here? I think that he held on to the idea of that he was going to get a multi-year contract. You know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago and I said, 
you know, him getting a multi-year deal is just not going to happen. It, it, it would have been so much better for OBJ, who I'm a supporter of, to say, hey, look, let me come play the rest of the season. Maybe we put an option, put a really big-ass balloon payment option, a mutual option. That's what the Cowboys should have done. Cowboys should have said, look, we're going to pay you the league minimum for the rest of the season. We're going to put a one-year option on this thing that we can both pick up. We have to agree to pick it up. That'll pay you upwards of the best receivers in the league. That's an option we can give you if you play well for this one month. I think also he didn't really think of it as you have to look at this as, okay, what are you wanting to get out of Odell Beck? What the Rams did really well last year was their expectation wasn't that he was going to come in and get 12 or 15 receptions a game. It was to ease him into the offense, help in their case last year to help Cooper Cup, help open up the run game a little bit by putting more, someone else in the field that you've got to pay extra attention to. It's why he was talking to Buffalo. It's why he was talking to the Cowboys. Why he was talking to the Giants. There's familiarity there, too, obviously. But those better teams were going to take him. The fact that I think he overplayed his hand by not working out, by saying, hey, it's two years, it's multi-years or nothing. I do think he overplayed his hand. And I think that the Cowboys signing T.Y. Hilton and the Bills signing Cole Beasley, it brings more depth in. It's not going to be quite as good as having Odell Beckham, but it gives them what they need. Another something that someone has to pay attention to. And neither of them are going to come out and have 10 reception games. But they're going to come out and get you a couple big receptions in a game where it's needed, especially a guy like Cole Beasley. Uh, T.Y. Elton has not been quite as good the last couple of years. But you just know that we're going to see a big third down play in one of these games these next few weeks with the, with the Bills. They're going to convert third and 12 because Allen finds Beasley. Right. And that's the kind of thing they should have been looking at with Odell Beckham. And, and that's what Beckham, I think, should have been thinking, too. I, I think it's a lot of he overplayed his hand and just did not having great expectations of what he wanted. So knowing that, you know, he's at least close to being healthy right now, I would have to think, Bo, that if, assuming he goes unsigned here, this old charade, that we'll do it all again in the offseason officially and, I would think that he probably gets signed pretty fast in free agency if he's if he's made the progress. I mean, April free agency is still months away from now. He's got time yeah. to to get one hundred percent healthy by then. Yeah, to get it, to make sure he's one hundred percent healthy, and then he'll work out. Then I would imagine too. And once teams see him, he'll be actually a big prize in free agency. So I guess the thought process was: well, if I don't get a multi-year deal. Just don't play at all. You know, and again, I I can see that, but I don't know. I would have liked to have seen one of these teams. I'm not a Dallas Cowboys fan. You know, I actually hate the Dallas Cowboys, but he was a perfect fit for what they needed. <laughs> He's an absolutely perfect fit. I it might have been Jerry Jones on the back of a Briggs truck for this year if I had to. Or I would have got creative and I'd have said, hey, I'll make you the highest paid receiver in the league next year. If you do this year at the minimum, and we'll mutually, you know, we, we all know that the Cowboys are going to find a way to choke in the playoffs as they always do. Sure. Is this going to be the thing we point to in the difference of them winning and losing going far in the playoffs is not having OBJ? 
No, I think the biggest one's the guy at the headset on the sideline. He, <laughs> it's Mike McCarthy to me. He, he's he's gonna be he's gonna be the reason they mess something up. They're still a real. They're the team. Okay, so I think the Eagles, Bills, Chiefs. I'll even put the Bengals in this group. I think they're like the top four or five teams. But the team I don't want to play in a one-game situation is the Dallas Cowboys. I just – you don't know what you're going to get against them. Yeah. We don't know whether they're going to run the ball great, throw the ball great. They have an outstanding defense. They're going to be in any game. And so I – to me, you got to – you got to figure out what's going on with, I mean, that's going to be the hardest to me, the hardest team. I mean, it may not be the hardest team to take out in the playoff because they might just, you know, lay a damn egg, but at the team, I don't want to prepare. It'd be one of the hardest team, hardest teams to prepare for. Yeah. By the way, I want to say. Um, We talked earlier about the injuries with uh, Tyler Huntley, Lamar Jackson, Kenneth Walker, but Probably the next notable injury is the fact that Kyler Murray is out for the year after that ACL injury he suffered on Monday Night Football. I would guess, Bo, he's probably played his last game under Cliff Kingsbury, that Kingsbury probably is going to get the ax here. But what an interesting path ahead here for this uh, Cardinals organization as you know, Steve Kime, their GM, has not done a great job. I don't know what his future holds necessarily for that job either. And potentially, you know, probably a new head coach coming in. And this late in the ball game of the ACL injury for Kyler Murray, there's a decent chance you don't have him back for the start of the season next year here. I mean, there is a it's, – it, it's a hot mess in, in, in Phoenix right now. Yeah. So, Kine, I just read this afternoon, um, is taking a leave of absence for health-related reasons. I don't know if you've seen that yet or not. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, what I think is this is going to be, and he's been a pain in the ass over there for a couple of years now. Here's the guy who had a DUI a couple of years ago, really made some mistakes with some of the picks and some of the things they've done. The hiring of Cliff Kingsbury still befuddles me. I would not let Steve Kime have any say in who the next football coach is there. And honestly, I'd probably replace his ass too. Um, I think what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to go find a GM and a, and a head coach, and it's going to be difficult because Kyler Murray is your franchise guy. He's paid. He's got the contract. There's nothing you can do about that now. And so you have to find a coach who wants this guy, who, who's willing to do it, but he's not able to have him this whole offseason and probably half or more so of next season. I mean, if you look a couple of years ago when Joe Burrow tore his ACL, he was out till like week 15, week 14, something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's you're not going to get this guy back, you know, halfway through the season. You're going to get him back maybe in the last month. And in the meantime, you know, this is a guy who hasn't been a great studier of the game. I mean, we've been we've heard all the stuff about his contract and having to add this these study clauses, and they've since taken that out, but. There's not a lot of trust there either. So it this whole thing has the capable capability of being a really big shit show of how this is going to go. Of the and job openings this offseason, this is probably going to be the worst one. Um, this one are the Texans. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the job I really like potentially, and they might already even have their head coach right there in house, is that Panthers job. They got a lot of defensive talent there. Got a couple key weapons on offense, DJ Moore and company. Steve Wilkes has done a, a good job, though. I mean, if they find a way to win that division, the job has got to be his. Yeah. You know, if they do find a way to win the division, it'd be amazing. Um, but yeah, I I don't disagree with that. I, I think the other there, there's so I, I have a curiosity on a few different jobs. One, the Colts job is open. Um, you know, I don't I don't think Jeff Saturday's gonna stay as the head coach. The Texans are certainly not gonna let Lovey Smith stay. I mean, they think they knew what they were doing, they hired him for a season. I think um, even Lovey knew. Yeah, I think he knew. Oh, absolutely. Did the Broncos, you know, get rid of Nathaniel Hackett? I think that happens. right? I think so. And then here's the other one I think is strange. you got to get rid of – I think Josh McDaniels has got to go with the Raiders. I think they're going to keep him. You think so? There's no chance I'd keep him. I mean, I I I would fire him, but I think Al Davis is still fully invested in him. Oh, God. I just – the other job I, I know the job I want to come open, and that's that I want the New Orleans Saints to fire everybody in the goddamn building. Yeah, <laughs> and the Saints. I did hear someone this week down there who's who was reported the Saints are trying to do anything they can to beg Sean Payton to come back. Yeah, that's just not going to happen. So, now, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to look at the Cardinals. There'll be some jobs like that where you go, wow. But the unique one about that job is that you have the young quarterback, but the young quarterback's not going to be able to play. That's going to make it really difficult. One more note before we wrap up here. Uh, We'll end on a very high note here. A round of applause for Baker Mayfield. I mean, what a performance that was last week. Just unbelievable. 98-yard drive to win the game. He'd only been there a day and a half, finds a way to get it done, named NFC Offensive Player of the Week, short notice. I mean, he booked a flight to L.A. before he'd even been claimed off waivers. He and Sean McVay had this great connection, apparently, that we didn't know about when they met on a Southwest Airlines flight and uh, the results. And it looks like he's going to be their quarterback the rest of the way here. Uh, what a story and what an opportunity here for Baker Mayfield to prove himself finally playing for an elite head coach. I was yawning. I wish I could yawn again. Um, and the reason being is I just don't care. He sucks. I love it. It's amazing. He, it's he, a was, great story. he was horrible. And look, and look, he was great for the last five minutes, but it's the same thing. The same argument we've been having about Tom Brady all season, too. Is that he's not a good quarterback. Baker Mayfield's not a good quarterback. Yes, he is. If he was a good quarterback, he would be on his third team this season. Someone else would have claimed him. Anybody, he, the only team that claimed him was the Rams. It's because of all the issues. I'll give you another one. They may not win another game this season. The Rams. They have they have the Broncos in two weeks. They should win that one, but they're not going to win any of their other three games. And I'll guarantee you, there is a game where he throws at least one more interception than touchdowns while having multiple touchdowns. I mean, he made I would two to... Atwell and Van Jefferson look like elite talent last week. No, and, and I 
what do you need? What do you need this guy for? Look, you could put him out there right now with all right. If you put him out there with the 49ers, would the 49ers be any better? Yes. Absolutely not. I, I would you take- and I were arguing, we were texting this past week. You said that there was no roster he couldn't be on. I can't think of a roster he would be on other than the Rams. This is a he's he's not a good player. He's not going to be a starting quarterback ever again in this league. He's here because two of the guys got hurt. He's horrible. He just happened to put five minutes together against a defense that didn't that was playing with like they were wearing rollerblades the entire second half. And it was and it was for five minutes. He's been set up to fail minutes. his entire career and finally got put into a good situation. Oh God. It, no, this is this guy's a coach killer. This guy's overrated. Look, we've seen then why does McVay love him then? Well, McVay loves anyone who can suit up right now. <laughs> Look, we've seen okay, we've seen the best of Baker Mayfield. So, like, give you an example. Last season, the expectations were so high for Baker Mayfield. And he came out week one against the Chiefs, and he was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I played Mahomes in that game. I mean, it was yes. that was the absolute best game he's ever going to play in his entire life. He can live 100 years of playing quarterback and never play as well as he played in that game ever again. But he doesn't have any other upside. He's already reached it. He's There's nothing else to him. He was in the and, and I get, yeah, he's had a different offensive coordinator every year of his career. This guy's been bad. And he's he's tried to fade the fade the heat off to coaches. He's tried to fade the heat off to Odell Beckham. He's tried to fade the heat off to everybody else except himself. And in the end, the team that drafted him with the number one overall pick took a guy instead who had 26 sexual assault cases against him. That tells you what teams think about Baker Mayfield. Yeah, and he's outplaying Deshaun right now. Well, right now, he's not. That doesn't matter. He's not going to win in the game unless they beat, they'll beat the Broncos. I, I, did, I did see that on the schedule. He's horrible. And as much as good as Sean McVay is, and Sean McVay's a great coach, even he is not going to do anything with this. But the next, three, I three think what what I think is going to happen here is that he and Stafford are going to be the two quarterbacks next year with the Rams. And Stafford's future, uh, I hope he's all right. That spinal contusion does not look good. Uh, I like Stafford. I mean, you and I both do. I, I'm a little worried for Stafford to be honest. Um, so, I, I think that. You know, Stafford has to be your your number one quarterback, assuming all things that he's healthy and everything. But if he's not good to go, they don't have the draft capital right now. You know, they said F those picks. Um, if Stafford's not all there, I think Baker Mayfield's your opening day starter next year. Uh, if Stafford's not healthy next year for the Rams. If he's their opening day starter, I'll pick them last in the division. <laughs> Over the you, you think they'll finish worse than the Cardinals, who we just trashed. Yes. I'll say right now, if he's the starting quarterback of the Rams, they will finish worse than every team in that division. This is the same guy that took a winless Browns team to the playoffs. He he is a winless kid. Uh, Baker's horrible. Baker's the worst quarterback in the league. I wouldn't let this guy anywhere near my franchise. Horrible player. 
Again, he played well for five minutes. For five minutes. And I mean, that does not make it. If he's so good, why did Carolina let him go? Why? Because Sam Darnold's actually playing good now, too. Well, but Baker was the starting quarterback. Baker got hurt. And they didn't play him again? Why not? Darnold played good. They didn't why, did the Browns, if, why did the Browns not extend him? Why? Because the Browns are frauds. They should have extended they, He was the guy they took as the number one overall pick. And there's different and the last two seasons, they've said, this guy ain't the guy. This is the, for two seasons, this guy isn't the guy. He's horrible. Horrible player. I mean, you look at what he's done his entire career. I'll play Andy Dalton before twice, I play him. You know how I feel about won that. Won a Heisman Trophy. Then they said he I was too poor. What a he got trophy. that number one pick. Walks into a winless team. They said he can't win. He takes him to the playoffs. He's been doubted every single step of the way. And here he is. And he's doing it again. I mean, it's a great story. It's one of the best stories your, I've ever your, seen. Your, your, your Sooner pride is coming through here. <laughs> he, that'd be like me saying Jamarcus Russell is good. I mean, it's, yeah. He, he's won a lot more than Jamarcus. Come on now. Horrible. He's Jamarcus horrible never did anything in this league. Hey, look, that Browns team's not a terrible team. But they were terrible with Baker Mayfield turning the ball over the way he was last season. I mean, they're not any better this year with, with Deshaun. I think Deshaun Ke- I don't teams. think Kevin Stefanski is a very good coach. I, I don't disagree with that. I also think Baker Mayfield's a horrible quarterback. Yeah, I disagree. I think I think Baker's back. He's uh <laughs> hot he's take back. Jones here. Hot take, bad take Jones. <laughs> you you know ahead. I'm right. You don't want to I know you're wrong. Right. I know you're wrong. You know who the only quarterback in the league that's actually Played worse than Baker Mayfield has. Who's that? Tom Brady. <laughs> oh please! Oh. Tom Brady should not be playing football right now. He's horrible, and he hasn't it, ruled out the possibility of coming back next year. Now he, he is in the corner, and if this was a boxing match, him versus Father Time, Father Time's got him in the corner for a standing eight. Uh, he's been bad, bad, bad. Bad, 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 bad. Came out this week. The Bucks are open to bringing him back next year. Yeah, they shouldn't. And it also came out. I shared this. I don't know if you saw it. The Athletic show, uh, had an article about Brady um, pulling his receivers into a meeting on Saturday night and changing some of the offensive uh, plays and some of the play calling without talking to the coaches. <laughs> what have I been telling you for two months now? I've been telling you for two months that the biggest problem in their offense is they don't want to run the ball because he's checking them out of run plays. It's been obvious. It's been obvious for two months. It's been obvious for most of the season. Anytime they he just threw 55 passes in the game. Yeah. You can't throw 55 passes at 45 years old. I don't care who you are. Yeah. Yeah. He's been bad, bad. And Baker is just as bad, bad. I mean, they're not giving him that old line's been awful. That is the excuse. I'm not taking that excuse in Tom Brady's choice because it's not like the offensive I mean, line has stopped him run from the football, plays. If no one's run blocking, you have to throw the football. Then quit trying to throw it 55 times. They're only having to do that because they can't run the ball. Run the football. Run. They're trying, run the football they're trying 13 to run the times football. in the game. Yeah, that's, that's bullshit. This is the NFL. If you run the ball 13 times in the game, you deserve to lose. 
They don't have to Those block old linemen anybody. don't like pass blocking. Nobody likes pass blocking. Well, you kind of have to. It 55 times is ridiculous. I agree. They are throwing the football too much, but, I mean, if you're not going to be able to run block, you got to do something. You can run block a hell of a lot easier than you pass block. He just thinks he's a good quarterback. He thinks he has a skill he had four or five years ago. He doesn't. And Baker doesn't have a skill like he had a couple of years ago. It's just he's not good. It's just look, sometimes think, you have to recognize that your skills are diminished or you're just not as good as the best situations you've been in. I think the Bucs have bigger issues than Tom Brady. That starts that off. I think he's the line. number one biggest one. I, I think disagree. the whole staff ought to go at this point. Uh, I think know, I like Byron Leftwich, and I like Byron Leftwich, but I think that. If he's changing the plays, what can I do? Yeah. It's interesting. Read that athletic part. I, I found it very interesting. I was like, ah, I'm not. I don't know. I, I, I don't know about the unathletic. You know, I mean, they. Uh, What's well, that barstool? I know that. <laughs> not outkick, not barstool. Yeah, the unathletic. Not not my cup of tea always, but nonetheless, yeah. I mean, the, have fun uh, in bankruptcy court with uh, how much they're going through with the New York Times and all that. You know, after having to get bailed out of, by the New York Times, I'm sure they're doing. Yeah, that's great. that's better yeah. than, than having an owner who's a racist. <laughs> I don't work for the guy. Yeah, that's not yeah. me. Oh, you're his defender, though. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't even say that either. But nonetheless, we got to go, Bo. Uh, we got to go. Have, hey, you have a great always, uh, I know you love Baker Mayfield and Tom Brady, and uh, you'll be rooting them on this weekend. And uh, what's on the uh, coach? Joe Burrow for MVP. Okay. Dylan Hurts the MVP. Okay. What's on the Coach Bono's podcast? Oh, uh, we are talking about the MVP. We're talking about that. We've got to put our standings out there. I did say Jalen Hurts right now, and that's where I've been for about a month. Where did we uh we'll see Tuesday's pod? We did a lot of football stuff, a lot of what we just talked about. We just we did in depth and some things. Uh coming up this weekend. So on Friday's pod, Ellen and I will be talking about uh baseball free agency again. We'll be getting into some of that. We're also gonna be talking about the bowl games. Uh we're gonna do a little segment on how to bet bowl games. Since we have a gambling sponsor at the Coach Bono's podcast and what to look out for. And then I'm sure we're going to review the uh, World Cup as well. Very good. Bo, enjoy the weekend. Uh, rooting on Baker and Tom Brady. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, man, don't go borrow. We'll see you soon, bud. All right, final segment before we go. It's our Tom Fullery story of the week where we tell you about something ridiculous happening in the world and – on this week's edition of Tom Fuller, we're going to stay right here, actually, in the state of Texas. And uh, this is when I really wish we were doing a video podcast, because then I could show you more what we're talking about, give you the visual here. But in, in case you haven't heard, uh, I encourage you to go look up Jermaine Johnson. Look him up on the Google machine. And... The story goes that Jermaine Johnson is a 12-year-old football player from Fort Worth, Texas. And his photo went viral holding a 12U Division I football championship trophy. But users are claiming, people on the internet, 
that there is no way this kid is 12 years old. Here's how the story goes. A football player has left social media users in a frenzy after his real age was revealed online, promoting dozens of users to insist there's no way he's as young as he claims. Jermaine Johnson from Fort Worth, Texas, won an MVP honors at the Youth National Championships in Miami over the weekend. However, his achievement has been drastically overshadowed by the viral response to his age, which has left fans convinced that some trickery must be afoot. After posting a picture of the young footballers sporting a mustache went viral on Twitter and Instagram and social media, users were left stunned to learn how old Jermaine actually is, begging the question, can anyone guess the young running back's real age? Well, any, many internet users guessed anywhere between 20 and 35. Uh, Jeremiah says he's actually almost a decade younger than the most youthful guest, revealing in an online video that he is just 12. The revelation prompted an outpouring of disbelief online where many were left in uproar, insisting that there is no way someone looks as mature as he does and could be so young. Not only did the photo of the running back show him holding his trophy, it also showed what appeared to be a tattoo on his right arm, sparking even more indulgibility among users. Users claimed there was zero chance he was a grown man before adding that he looked like he had a mortgage. Others said he couldn't be 12 with a Steve Harvey mustache and added that he looked like he was from the hit movie 21 Jump Street. The 12-year-old went viral after winning an award at the 12U MVP Honors Award at the Youth National Football Championships. One TikTok user posting under the name Hood News 24 shared what appeared to be the video from the championships in which Jeremiah can be seen holding his trophy before going on to confirm his age to be to the stunned social media creator. Hey, man, I don't know how old you are. The TikToker user asked Jeremiah, who simply responds 12. The boy is 12, Hood News 24 told his followers in surprise before adding that he was outraged if the young player doesn't go straight to the NFL. Yes, sir, boy, you ready, you deserve it, you are ready. Uh, the comments of the video was flooded with similar stunned reactions from TikTok users, with many joking that Jeremiah have graduated in 2012, while insisting he could not be as young as he claimed. Y'all misunderstanding. He ran for 12 touchdowns. Another person chimed in. Wally Third joked. He was born on a leap year. He good. As social media users lose their minds over Jeremiah's actual age, his mom, Shanna Evans, has been gushing over her baby on Facebook. But even the mom's own friends can't believe her son is 12. One user commented, that ain't no damn baby. Uh, one user said, mustaches... Uh, says grown man, biceps say 12-year-old. Others demanded to see his birth certificate, claiming it must be fake, while another joked that the only way his age could be legitimate is if it were in dog years. He may only be 12 years old, but that mustache says divorced at least twice. One commenter used, used uh, commented. Another was such shock over Jeremiah's real age, they suggested the picture was photoshopped. Despite the disbelief, one mom wrote that she remembered when he was 10 and that he had a mustache then, too. In the past, another 12-year-old football player uh, left fans in shock after his six-foot, 340-pound stature folded others into thinking he was older. 
Neon Powell from Philadelphia also towers over his teammates and faced many years of bullying due to his size. The average height and weight for a boy of Jeremiah and Nemine's age is four and a half to 5.3 feet and 66 to 130 pounds. Uh, how about that? 12-year-old kid looking like he's got a mortgage and should be playing in the National Football League. You know, the thing I point to when I hear this story, the IM-12 specifically is that movie, The Benchwarmers, when the uh, the kid, he's like 30-some-odd years old, and he's drinking liquor in his glove, and then he hands the guy a $20 bill and says, I'm 12. That's what this feels like. Um, that's unbelievable. If you haven't seen this guy online, this will blow your mind, the fact that He's supposedly 12 years old. And, you know, I've heard stories in the past of great athletes, you know, having to bring their birth certificates to football games to prove their actual age. And, you know, I hope the young man's got a bright future. You know, if if he's already winning MVP awards and doing all this at 12 years old, what I do wonder, though, is what happens when everyone else catches up, when everyone else goes through puberty and their growth spurts and all that. Is he still going to be this dynamic athlete or is everybody going to kind of catch up to speed? I mean, you know, it's, that's an interesting time. You know, everybody goes through their changes. You know, I, I remember, you know, being in sixth grade and all of a sudden, you know, there was something different about the girls around us at that age that wasn't there ahead of time. And I remember that's all we talked about as sixth graders in middle school. You know, I mean, as we go through these changes, you know, it's such a wild time and everybody goes through those things differently. And so I wish nothing but the best for the kid. I hope that he uh, continues to rock out and, you know, benefits from that. And it's, it's a great story. If you haven't seen this kid this will absolutely blow your mind that he's apparently 12 years old. But, I mean, a byproduct of high school football in Texas. I mean, they don't make them in Texas like they do anywhere else. I mean, that is just bizarre, this kid that's supposedly 12 years old. I'm very curious. Do you guys think he's actually 12 years old? No way, right? I mean, I mean, what's what's he going to take? Is, he gonna, is his mom going to, like, have to post – his birth certificate online. He had the mustache when he was 10. What did it look like when he was 10? I got so many questions. I mean, who are his friends? Does he hang out with kids his own age or does he end up hanging out with, you know, older kids or or whatnot? Um, can he go buy beer? Not encouraging that behavior by any means, but man, there's so many things. There's got to be more to this story. I want the follow-up on this kid. See what happens. Obviously, he's 12 years old, so there's things you, you got to be careful about, you know. But let's see what happens with this guy. Best of luck to him and and uh, where things go from here. But a bizarre story. It feels fictional, but it is a true story. And uh, I, I think that we're not done with this kid. Something tells me there's going to be more that comes of this. Like, we need him. We need a TV interview. We need something of some sorts and uh, see what's going on with this kid uh, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, do we see him in the Little League World Series next? You know, 
blasted bombs or something, you know, at that age. I mean, there's still a lot to be written here in this story. But with that, we got to go. Uh, big thanks to uh, Nick Cousins for joining us, Coach Bo, Thomas Bridges and company. As always, uh, you can follow us on social media, facebook.com slash Tyler Jones Live, facebook.com slash Studio Soapbox, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, Twitter at Thomas underscore Bridges, Twitter at Studio underscore Soapbox, Instagram, Jones underscore Report, Tyler Jones Live, uh, Insta Thomas, you can find us there. Subscribe to the show, new episodes out each and every Thursday, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. And uh, subscribe uh, on all major podcast platforms. And uh, we'll see you right back here next week. For our entire crew, I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. It's been another edition of the Jones Report.